Listening to the Oz Movies Podcast, only on the Oz Network. Welcome back to the Oz Network for our third Brendan Fraser movie recap spectacular. Uh, as we are moving on to the one that Ben is very excited about, and I'm sure our listeners have heard of this movie uh, <laughs> because it is the 1999 classic. Uh, written and directed by Hugh Wilson, who also brought us the 1999 classic Blast from the Past, which we covered several years ago. And this is another movie that they worked on. Uh, it is Dudley Do-Right, the second Brendan Fraser adaptation of a J. Ward animated series. Um, <laughs> the next Brendan Fraser star vehicle that nearly ended his career after we had the box office bomb of airheads last week. We should just call this Brendan Fraser bomb month because that's what it seems to be turning into. <laughs> uh, but we're going to cover all that is wrong with the Canadian stereotypes of this movie. And then a few things that are right about it and find out why Ben is so excited about Dudley do right of all movies. My name is Colin and I am evil. I am evil. And my name is Ben, and this is the Oz Network, Colin. Things are real here. Very real. So <laughs> real that we are covering Dudley Do-Right from 1999. I think we're the first podcast what? in the history of the world to ever not only we say are. the words Dudley Do-Right on an episode, but actually <laughs> cover the entire movie. I don't think anyone would have ever covered this movie, ever. I'm not sure Brendan Fraser has watched this movie. <laughs> That's my guess. And here we, you've watched this multiple times. You watched this last week before we even teased that you're watching it again this week. So oh, yeah. I'm, I'm very, I'm very intrigued to find out about your fascination with the movie. I'll just start out here. Um, I don't have a history with this movie. My history, as I kind of mentioned last week, was that uh, I saw the trailers for this movie. I knew it existed. I pretty much boycotted it because it fed into every stereotype of Canadians that are not true. Uh, I do get after watching this that it is a parody, um, although I wish they had made it clear with the parody. The, the funny thing is, I think that so many Americans, at least in 1999, literally did believe that this is what Mounties were and this is what Canadians were. Uh, what do you mean in 1999? It, it's totally different. <laughs> <laughs> Justin Trudeau. The, this was the Justin Trudeau story. Um, yeah. But... Uh, no, I boycotted it for that reason. I mean, I had liked George of the Jungle. Uh, I love it now, especially after having rewatched it. I see similarities with what we're going for here. I see the similarities with uh, you know the, the animated show, obviously, in this, the the narration and this, the kind of satirical aspect of this movie, uh, the bad puns, but it, it's no George of the Jungle. I'm sorry. It is not George of the Jungle. <laughs> Uh, it is stupid sometimes in the right way and a lot of times in the wrong way. Uh, I, I'm not entirely sure Brendan Fraser had his heart in this movie. Oh, uh, I think the horse, the, ho the horse steals the show. I'm not talking about Sarah Jessica Parker. I'm talking about horse named horse. That I will say this. I do remember the trailer. I forgot about this. But when I was getting ready to watch this, I rewatched the trailer and I had completely forgotten how obsessed with the one line in the trailer was to promote this movie, which was from the, the, the studio that brought you Dudley Do or George of the Jungle or whatever, from yeah. the star of George of the Jungle and the director who saw George of the Jungle. Yeah. That I remember being like obsessed with, like this is one of the craziest trailers ever. It was the same summer that 
uh, Austin Powers had yeah. done the same trick with. Um, if you only see one movie yeah, this the, year, see, see one movie, see Star see two, Wars, yeah. see Austin Powers. <laughs> Brilliant. And you could tell from the box office that it paid <laughs> off to copy Austin Powers in the marketing for this movie. <laughs> Uh, I, I remember that about it and nothing else. And I probably would have forgotten that he ever made this movie if you hadn't reminded me. So tell me, what is your fascination with Dudley Do-Right? You, you and everybody else in the world are missing the point of this movie about that this, this is just brilliantly, satirically, fantastically gold. I mean, this is a terrible movie. I'm not going to deny that this is not a terrible movie, but it is a brilliantly terrible movie. Like, I actually... To, to even do further research, I watched some Dudley Do-Right cartoons on YouTube. It is exactly the same. Like, this this movie has gotten Dudley Do-Right cartoons perfect. And I don't know if I've ever seen a, a movie get a TV cartoon that perfect. I've never seen the George of the Jungle one, so, I mean, I don't know if it did it that well. But, like, literally every single moment of a cartoon in Dudley Do-Right is this movie. And... I, I, just, I just... I love the stupidity and dumbness and the cartoon nature of this movie that... It doesn't take itself seriously at any point. I, I don't I don't agree with you at all that Brendan Fraser... I think everyone in this movie is having a blast. Like, this is like Twister to me. Really? Just, yeah, I think so, everyone in this movie is loving life. They are, even Sarah Jessica Horseface is loving life in this movie. Like, <laughs> she's got nothing to do in this movie. But, like, if you watch the cartoon, she is being exactly the same as Nellie's in the cartoon. Like, she's doing exactly that. So... Oh, this movie, like, you're right, I watched it um, like a week ago. I watched it last night, and I love it so much more every time I watch it. I, I, I never saw this at the cinemas. I think this was um, early high school, so it probably... <laughs> I don't think anybody did. <laughs> I wasn't alone. Um, Brendan Fraser did, you just mentioned that. Um, but, like, this I think was, like, I probably saw this a year or two after it came out. In high school, like, I'd, I've always loved Canada, right? I've always kind of been weirdly obsessed with Canada. And in my early parts of high school, I had this weird little rivalry with a friend of mine who loved the States. And we would always be like, Canada's better. No, America's better. No, Canada's better. So, like, my obsession just, like, took off. That's when I learned who, like, the Canadian Prime Minister was, things like that, that no 13-year-old in Australia probably should be doing, but I did. Um, And then I remember looking up, like, movies and stuff on Canada. And this came up. And it was this and Canadian Bacon that I discovered around about the same time. Both I equally love. I probably love Canadian Bacon more. That made my top 50 movies of all time, whereas this didn't. Um, and this wouldn't. Uh, George of the Jungle probably would now, but not Dudley Do Right. But still, I just, I enjoyed it. And I just, I don't know. There's just something about this movie. That's, it's kind of maybe like Airheads last week, right? Like you love that because you watched that so much as a, a certain age and it's just stuck with you that you've loved it. And I didn't not like it. I just didn't get it as well as you did. I watched this as a young person. The stupidity of this movie seemingly stuck with me. And this isn't one of those ones that I watch as an adult and go, oh, that's childish now. Like, I can see it's stupid. I, it's like Die Another Day. I can see it's dumb. I just enjoy it because I feel this movie is just a cartoon, real-life movie that no one just does not have fun on the set of this movie. I am so excited to talk about this movie, Colin, because I knew you would either come into this absolutely <laughs> hating it or absolutely loving it. And I feel you're going towards the hating it side. But, hey, I'm cool with that. Yeah. Thank you for bringing up your love for Die Another Day because it puts so much in context about your opinion about this movie. For and everybody follow listening Die Another now. Day memes on Instagram. The best new Instagram account you know there is. <laughs> I, I had found, okay, so our other show, 007, uh, you know, we 
have a running joke that Ben's an idiot uh, because he likes Die Another Day. Uh, and there we go, Double Oz 7. You can <laughs> no one's watching the video yet. We're not releasing this video, but that's what subtle plug. There it is. Download now. Thank you. <laughs> but um, uh, your love for Die Another Day, you know, is sort of the running gag on the show. And I discovered a, a Instagram account, Die Another Day memes or whatever, which was all in defense of it. And I had followed this for a while and didn't want to share it with you because I'm like, oh no, this all feeds, Ben's going to think there's others out there like him. And then I, I did have to share one with you. And now you're like, oh, this is my new favorite account. And now you're tagging Noah and myself in all these posts. It's so Cause there's a similar one. There's like a Jar Jar Binks daily account, which I think I've shared with you before as well. And I just, I just love these like quirky little things that everybody genuinely hates who a few people actually love that will have an account like this. So maybe I need to start up Dudley do right memes or something like that. Let's do it. Yeah. yeah. Dudley do right well, let's memes. Do it. <laughs> <laughs> or we just, we'll just get a t-shirt. The t-shirt is I'm one of the three who saw Dudley do right. Just, you know, you can yes. just have a t-shirt. <laughs> We're rounding out our t-shirt collection for the end of Brendan Fraser month. This is yep. nice. Yep. <laughs> what do we have somewhere? We have Brendan Fraser, what a man. I'm one of the three that saw Dudley do right. <laughs> uh, any others? I know. I'm actually writing it down this time because I feel there was a really good one in yeah. one of the episodes that we forgot. So... Uh, <laughs> something like, I'm in love with Brendan Fraser or something. That one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, we'll have those shirts by uh, next week. We promise. Yeah, <laughs> hopefully. Just like, just like our mask of um, uh, Tommy Wiseau's face from the room. Yeah, you know, still waiting. And <laughs> months Patreon. later, it's, but it's um, there. It's happening. Patreon. Yeah. You know, if you are willing to sign up for your Patreon, we will make the Dudley Do Right shirt. We will give you your choice of a Brendan Fraser shirt uh, if yep. you sign up for Patreon. I, and you I, pay us enough. You money. know what I actually want to, and uh, I, I can make this. I don't know if you. I mean, you did very well with I like the mullet T-shirt. Is I just want the silhouette of Brendan Fraser as a Mountie backwards on horse, <laughs> and or I just want the Dudley Do Right logo on a shirt. I, I would gladly rep that out there in Canada too. It, I will you, probably get arrested, but hey, you know. <laughs> well, uh, let me ask you a quick question before we jump into the movie here, because I said this feeds into the stereotypes of Canadians, uh, particularly Mounties. I think this is the objection that I always had with this movie is that most people outside of Canada believe that these are our police officers. If they have the red uniforms, they have the big hats, the gloves, they ride on horses. The fact they're called Royal Canadian Mounted Police but they don't ride anything. They're not mounted anymore. I mean, they, they literally just call themselves the RCMP. They just never changed the name. And that probably feeds into it. Now, when you saw this movie at that age, did you believe that this is what our police force looked like? I probably did. Uh, realistically, yes. <laughs> but again, I was 13. I mean, I, like, I, I totally get your viewpoint on it. And I can, it's no different to say, like, as an Australian, we're not all Crocodile Dundee. We're not all Steve Irwin. Like, we're different. But it's no different to... As a kid, I, you know, I probably thought all Americans were cowboys or like, you know, all Americans <laughs> were, you know, action stars. Like you kind of have that viewpoint of a, of a world and like I totally get it. But um, I didn't think every Canadian was entirely like a Mountie, I guess. But um, I, I, <laughs> I saw I've seen my first time to Canada when I went to Toronto, they had the Santa Day parade or whatever it was. And they had them all dressed up like as as Mounties. And every time I go to Vancouver, I always go to the RCMP store. There's a, you know, the, the mm. Mountie store. And I was going to dress up for Halloween this year as a Mountie, but uh, <laughs> trying to find a fucking Mountie costume that's either less than $100 or that fits you is harder than you think. So, uh, yeah, not happening all of a sudden. But, um, you yeah, know, I do now know that they do not all dress like this. And it's only like a ceremonial thing, I'm right, isn't it? 
yeah, you'll see them dressed like this on Remembrance Day or whatever. Uh, but I will say it's a great outfit. I mean, mm. the, the Canadians it's are amazing. not ashamed of this look. Yeah, it's it's incredible. If we did ha- have police officers like this, I mean, that would be cool. But uh, I mean, the real RCMP look like any other police officers. They probably look almost a little bit more SWAT team like than police officers. Well, they're like but, your uh, FBI, aren't they? They're like your federal police. The federal, they? yeah. And and like I, the thing yeah, that exactly. I, since living here, actually, it's something that I've noticed is that. You see them a lot, like as in you'll just see the RCMP car driving down the street mm-hmm. or um, you'll see the headquarters of like that area in the city. And like through my day job, my serious job, you know, I'm constantly reading stories where it's like, you know, the Saanich RCMP says, and it's kind of, that's something to me where I'm like, oh, okay, cool. So they're a lot more, you know, common. It's just a day of life, part of life type of police force. Whereas, yeah, 13 year old Ben is probably thinking that they're not or actually i think to be honest with you i think what i thought was that these were like your regional police like these were your your sheriffs like your small town police yeah. that uh, they're not in it's, cities that's probably more what i thought but but it really is a combination of both because i mean i was more familiar with the real rcmp before i even knew what the mountie uniform was that we see in this movie uh because when i was growing up we lived on a very small farm in out, not even in outside of Vita Manitoba and Vita Manitoba is about as small as you can get. And uh, my dad worked in the city. He would commute two hours to the city, two hours back every single day. Uh, he was a social worker, but he technically worked for the government. He was a government social worker. So he worked for the government and he was a conspiracy theorist and was always, as we were children talking about the RCMP, be careful, the RCMP are watching. I don't even know why he was so paranoid, but he, he had this hang up about the RCMP uh, because we lived outside. There was no local Vita police. The RCMP had the jurisdiction that. So it really is a combination of the FBI and then state police. Which is fascinating to me because in Australia, um, like we have uh, AFP, Australian federal police, their general you only ever see them at airports like that. That's it. Like you don't, you will never see an AFP car just driving down the street in Sydney unless fucking shit's going down. Like it's kind of, we, we have more jurisdiction, I think on our state police. And I don't, I, I think you guys are a little bit more like the States where you have your police are more sort of city or, or regional based. Like I think here in Victoria, for mm-hmm. example, I'll see Victoria PD, Saanich PD, you know, a different area, Nanaimo PD, things like that. Whereas in Australia, it's generally, your state, like Tasmania police, New South Wales police, Queen, like mm-hmm. you don't have Sydney police and Newcastle police, if you know what I mean. So I don't know how the rules work there. But um, like, again, I'll just go to the point that I totally get where you're coming from with this. But having said that, like blame the cartoon because this cartoon is clearly what it was. <laughs> like the cartoon, I believe, is called Dudley Do-Right of the Mounties. Like I think that's what it was called. Yeah. Um, and just watching those, like that's what around the 60s or 50s, whenever that cartoon was. So, uh, you know, complete absolute parody of this i'm assuming that it was an american mm-hmm. production kind of you know ripping that way into the the canadians but um like again this is it's ridiculous how true to the cartoon this movie is like i i'm so glad i actually went back and watched some of those because it makes so much more sense and maybe that's the problem with this movie why so many people didn't see it or didn't appreciate it was because maybe that dudley durat wasn't a huge and big enough cartoon that people knew mm. about it like i i think we talked a bit about that with george of the jungle i know rocky and bullwinkle came out what like a year later that got panned but that was a, a much bigger deal then. And I believe, didn't George of the Jungle and Dudley Durack come from the same show as Rocky and Bullwinkle or was it included? Or uh, Dudley Durack was part of Rocky and Bullwinkle. Uh, okay. George of the Jungle, I don't think it was, but it, this, the creator, Jay Ward, had done George of the Jungle and Dudley Durack. Right. So that was the connection there. But this was a big fad at the time in, in 1997 through 2000, mm. where they suddenly wanted to 
make all these classic animated shows, Rocky and Bullwinkle style animated shows. You know, the Flintstones, who I think we mentioned that uh, we did George of the Jungle. Mm-hmm. Flintstones had been this massive hit in like 93, 94. And then it took a couple of years and you had George of the Jungle and that was a huge hit. And then you had this. And I actually wonder if, if Rocky and Bullwinkle, which was going to come out the next year, uh, if they had not already been in production, would they have halted the movie after the success or lack of success with Dudley Do Right? We really yeah. do have to cover Rocky and Bullwinkle next year for Batman. Well, I think. I mean, she, we we I think we did talk about actually doing that. I've actually never seen it, and yeah. funnily enough, I actually remember watching Rocky and Bullwinkle as a kid. It was kind of like, um, you know, obviously not yeah. my age demographic. It's a, it's a much older show, but it would be on like a, a you know a weekday afternoon or a Saturday afternoon. My dad would be flicking channels. He'd, I, I like I watched the Flintstones as a kid. You know, repeats are always on. Um, and Rocky and Bullwinkle was one that I was familiar with. Um, but I can't say, yeah, I knew Dudley Do-Right or George of the Jungle. But it's kind of, it's, it wasn't just cartoons, wasn't it? Like Lost in Space, The Avengers. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it was a big thing back then to make TV shows TV. into movies, basically. So, yeah. Well, they had done the Beverly Hillbillies, yeah. Leave it to Beaver. Brady Bunch. Um, that, that probably, yeah, if, if there was anything that the 90s really was about, whereas now we have... Uh, either superhero movies or young adult book adaptations. The nineties was about TV adaptations yeah. and uh, this might've killed it. Uh, no, <laughs> uh, you know, it's funny. You, you mentioned Rocky and Bullwinkle because I'm actually curious. I, I remember watching a lot of Rocky and Bullwinkle growing up uh, and I don't think I ever saw Dudley do right. And I don't mm. know if it was something where they didn't air it here in Canada because of the depiction of the Mounties. I know that the, the RCMP is very protective over the image of them. Uh, there was a uh, a professional wrestler in the early 90s that was called the Mountie. Hmm. And when he was from Canada and his character anywhere else in the world was the Mountie, he came out in the uniform. But when he was in Canada, he wasn't allowed to call himself the Mountie. He had to go by his name, Jacques Rougeau. And I used to remember watching wrestling and they would have like the commercials coming up and you would see him in a match as the Mountie. And then they would cut to the local thing where promoting local events. Like this, this Saturday at the Winnipeg arena, Jacques Rougeau. And he could not use the full uniform. He could not call himself the Mountie and uh, you know, just complete cyber, but just uh, giving context of why they may be that protective over this. Uh, He had a theme song, which was him singing that goes, I'm the Mountie. And years later, they brought this wrestler back in a, a tag team called the Quebecers. (laughs) Uh, and their theme music was "We're Not the Mounties," uh, which nobody outside of Canada would have gotten. Was a joke on the fact that the, our, the real RCMP said you can't call yourself the Mountie here. You can't dress like the Mountie. Wow. Uh, but it's kind of surprising they did let this. And I, I do wonder if Dudley Do Right, because it was well known enough that this was the first thought they had after George of the Jungle. Let's make mm. this. If there was some hesitancy prior to this movie to show that, because I even remember being in um, Calgary, Edmonton, as a kid. And there was a restaurant there with, I'm sure you know of Chuck E. Cheese, but I don't yeah. think you had Chuck E. Cheese in Australia, right? No, I mean, it was Similar one of those things you heard Chuck about e- it in a movie or something like that. Yeah. yeah. Similar to Chuck E. Cheese, there was a restaurant in Calgary or Edmonton called Bullwinkles, which was themed like Rocky and Bullwinkles. So all the animatronic characters that were singing the songs, uh, they were the characters from the Rocky and Bullwinkle show. And there was no Dudley Do-Right there. And I didn't know Dudley Do-Right existed until this movie came out. Uh, be great to do some research and find out why they suddenly decided, yes, we can have this Mountie, you know, depicted here in Canada and, and release this movie. Uh, but yeah, very protective over this image, uh, which is weird considering Mounties are depicted as being almost too good. You know, that mm. that's the whole point of Dudley Do-Right. He is the ultimate good guy, so much so that 
he says, my name is Dudley do right, not Dudley do wrong in this movie. Uh, and this is, it's, it's, it's weird. Uh, again, weird connection to make, but NASA for years would never allow their image, their logo to be used in movies. Uh, they wouldn't allow you to film in the NASA headquarters, even Apollo 13, which was the most accurate depiction ever of a real NASA story. They didn't allow Ron Howard to film inside NASA. The first time they broke that rule was for Armageddon. And then you really have to wonder, I'm like, of all things, you're protective over your image and you choose Armageddon to be the one to break it. So the Mounties decide Dudley Do-Right is the time to stop fighting. This is this is going to be what we want our image to be. Colin, it's Ben Affleck. He's got a big dong. They just like, you know, they're there and they're like, at NASA, we're men. We're real men. And you've got to be a man well, to be a man and come to that. None of your people have big dongs. And Ben Affleck just went, whoa, okay, come on in. And you go. And we ben know Affleck Brendan Fraser's got a massive one. Absolutely. It's giant. Like, that's why the horse, he's not referring to horse. He's referring that's, to his dong. That's not a horse tail either in the poster. Absolutely not. That's, he's definitely not. Yeah. And, you know, that's that's why everyone loves Brendan Fraser because everyone knows his penis is big. Massive dong. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, now, just uh, out of curiosity before we start here, uh, you have kind of alluded towards the Crocodile Dundee thing with uh, Australia. Was this a thing too where... You know, it's depicting something that is real. There are people like this, but that it suddenly became a thing where everybody assumes that this is what your country is represented by. Yeah, I mean, there there are definitely people like Crocodile Dundee and Steve Irwin. Don't get me wrong, they do exist. Um, Queensland, Northern Territories, sort of the northern parts of the country. I mean, when I went to Cairns many years ago, the Great Barrier Reef and all that sort of stuff, I swear every single tour guide we had was like, "Yeah, mate, crikey, come on board, let's get on." Like, yeah, like just so stereotypically Australian dressed. You know, like, you do have them, but I would say that they're far, very few and far between. There'll be more Mounties uh, probably dressed like this than there would be, you know. And, like, they, they've had stories on shows and newspapers and that was like, meet the real Crocodile Dundee. Because he did base it on a real guy. Like, there was a guy somewhere in Northern Territory who he did base it on. Um, and Steve Irwin was clearly real. Uh, that's exactly who Steve mm. Irwin was. So, um, but, like... Yeah, you, you, it's, again, mainly Americans. You meet them, oh, crikey, say something, like, you know. and Because th- after that, like, the the difference with this and Crocodile Dundee is that Dudley Durai didn't start a massive trend of Canada in the States, did it? Whereas, like, Crocodile yeah. Dundee, like, Australia was the hottest ticket in all of uh, the States, basically, for however long in the 80s. And, you know, Foster's became a big thing. You had the, that famous tourism campaign. It was like, throw another shrimp on the barbie, which, again, that's bullshit. We call them prawns. We don't call them shrimp. Um, I mean, that did wonders for the economy of Australia, basically, in the 80s and really put us on the map. So uh, I don't think we're that negative at the end of the day because it bloody gave us a lot of money. <laughs> a yeah. lot of people came to Australia. Whereas I think you're just bitter because that great Canadian boom of 1999 didn't happen. <laughs> well, no, you know, it's funny you say that because um, I, I wouldn't even say that this is a thing that Canadians are bitter about with like the depiction of the Mounties. I think it's something that we actually do play up on because as you mentioned, it, this isn't to knock Americans, but it's typically Americans who are, are very much have tunnel vision that the world is their world and they don't understand things outside the country, even somebody as close as Canada, because every Canadian at one point or another has probably tried to convince an American that Dudley Do-Right is real. Uh, mm-hmm. Not the character, but that this is our Mounties. Uh, I remember my brother... Uh, he went on a, a trip once, uh, like a, uh, a 
camper. It was like a trip to amusement park in the States or something like that. And uh, the group he went with him and this other friend of his, they spent the entire time going up to Americans, convincing them that it's like, oh yeah, it's like 40 below right now in Winnipeg. This is like in August. And like, really? How do you live in this? Like, no, it's nothing. You know, you just throw your, your wolf skin on and drive the dog sled to school. You really have dog sleds there? That's real? It's a like, yes. All Canadians will do this. We yeah. will mess with Americans. And now, of course, we're living in the age with the internet where it's not possible to do that. But uh, I still believe this you, movie right? also... <laughs> oh, of course they will. <laughs> we have the because Americans think that we ride kangaroos to school, like they literally think we yeah. do. And there was somebody shared a very realistic like tourism campaign for Australia, where it was a picture of a man on a kangaroo in front of the Sydney Opera House, and fucking Americans ate that shit up. <laughs> they believed it. Um, so yeah, like it's they still do believe it. Yeah. Well, and there was a Canadian TV show. Uh, I brought this up back in January. We did Canada versus Australia month. Uh, we covered the movie Men with Brooms, which there is a Men with Brooms cast member in this movie too. Uh, but the biggest homegrown talent that Canada has as far as he's always stayed making TV shows and movies in Canada, and he is a real box office draw is Paul Gross, who made Men with Brooms and starred in Men with Brooms. He broke through with a TV show in the mid-90s called Due South that was essentially him playing Dudley Do-Right moving to the States on assignment where he was a Mountie in America. And it became the first Canadian TV show to ever be picked up simultaneously on a U.S. network. It was CBS, I think, that picked it up simultaneously the same time as being broadcast on CTV here in Canada. It only lasted, I think, one uh, season in America. But here you have a show that is playing up on those stereotypes. These are our Mounties. This is how polite Canadians are. This We drive dog sleds and everything. And Americans eat up so much, they said, we are going to air a Canadian show on American network television for the first time ever. So uh, this movie, maybe a couple years earlier, would have been a bigger hit. I don't know. But uh, it's fun. It's fun to to play into those stereotypes. And it's actually funny watching this couple of times in the last week or so. And again, I, I will gladly put my hand up. A couple only person, of times. I know. I'm the probably only the only person in the world who's ever watched Dudley Do-Right more than once in a week. Ever. Uh, I don't even think the editors of this movie watched it more than once while they were editing it. Um, but, like, it actually plays up a little bit more to Canada. Like, I always thought there were two references to Canada in this entire movie. The ones that I used to always quote to my friends in high school was like, this is Canada now, things are real up here. And scientists have actually discovered that Canadian bacon is actually just ham. Um, like, yeah. I thought they, but there's actually a lot more. But I really hope, like we can cover Canadian bacon one day. Maybe, maybe like, I know we do Australia versus Canada month. And it's more about the films of that country, but maybe we need to do kind of like a, a stereotypical month. Like we can do Crocodile Dundee. And, and cause yeah. the thing that's great about Canadian bacon is you've got John Candy, who obviously is like this proudest punch Canadian, right? Who essentially rips into Canada. Cause he's playing the, the U S mm-hmm. sheriff in that movie. And it's just, and that was, um, what's his face is Michael Moore's only ever non documentary yeah. movie, which often gets forgotten about. It's, so underrated. It's such a funny movie. Anyway, we're getting sidetracked. Dudley do right. I'm here. I'm, I'm pumped. And Brendan Fraser, <laughs> a Canadian actor who yes. decided to also mock Canada in this movie. Uh, <laughs> but it's funny. He doesn't often get thrown around the conversation of being Canadian. Cause I think he has dual citizenship. Like he, he was born yeah. with dual citizenship. Uh, yeah. Yeah. We cover that in the first week. Uh, it, you know, he grew up in Canada, but he also grew up in other places too. But he was born in the he, States, I don't think, but I think he grew up in, in Canada. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, like he he went to school and graduated in Canada. Uh, very, there's a lot of actors like that, like Keanu Reeves would be another one. You know, he's mm-hmm. technically, I think, an American citizen, but grew up in Canada. What's that, Mel uh, Gibson? But like, we always claim he's an Australian. Like, I think it's just he went to school yeah. in Australia, even though, like, I don't know if he's got Australian <laughs> citizenship. He probably does, but, I mean, he's he's American. I think now we say he's American. 
Yeah, well, he lost his accent decades ago, so it doesn't yeah. count. Yeah. But like, is, is Brendan Fraser the most Canadian actor who you really don't identify as being Canadian? Oh, like yeah. he, everything about you see him in interviews. This is your stereotype of a Canadian. So it does make total sense that they would go to him, not just because of George of the Jungle, but to say you are Dudley Do-Right. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think he and it was interesting reading some of the uh, the potential other people they were looking at for this movie. I believe Jim Carrey was legitimately in conversations to have this. And, and like I can see it. I can actually see it. But I'm also glad that Brendan, like, it's kind of one of those ones where it's like, hey, you would have won either way. Probably would have been mm-hmm. a big hit had Jim Carrey been in this role. But at the same time, like, like Jim Carrey, I think, would be a little bit too outlandish for this, whereas Brendan Fraser kind of has that subtleness yeah. to the, the slapstickness that kind of works. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think Brendan Fraser, yeah, he's so Canadian. Like, I've always assumed he was 100% Canadian, right? Whereas, like, he's mm-hmm. maybe only, like, 40% Canadian. I think he's technically more American yeah. than he is Canadian. But, um, yeah, it's kind of like Jim Carrey. Like, he kind of doesn't play up to his Canadianness as much as he used to, I feel. Uh, I mean, because he's yeah, more Canadian well, I mean, than he... Brendan Fraser. He was born in Canada. It could just... Yeah, well, I think he was always in Canada until he, you know, started working in the States. But, I mean, does Jim Carrey do anything anymore? <laughs> we, when was the last time we heard from him? He's Joe Biden on Saturday Night Live recently. Oh, um, yeah. And You're Sonic. Right. I mean, Sonic, everyone talks about how Sonic's kind of revived his career. He's been doing that TV show. I don't know if you ever watched Kidding. It was actually quite good. I believe it just Kidding? got cancelled. I haven't seen it yet. Uh, it's actually, it's 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 quirky. It's it's strange, but it's actually really good. Um, and again, showing how good Jim Carrey is as an actor. But um, he's still he's still working. He's 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 revived his career recently. I feel, as you said, I think every week this whole month, how is it we've never done a Jim Carrey movie, let alone a Jim Carrey month next year? Like we we my, we, we need to pencil it in. We we need to yeah. bite the bullet and and we, same with Tobey Maguire. Come on, like Tobey Maguire and Brendan Fraser. Yeah. If you talk about founding fathers of the Oz Network, it's Tobey Maguire yeah. and Brendan and Brendan Fraser. So we're halfway there. Come on, Toby, we're coming for you. Mate. <laughs> All right, so Dudley do right. Um, this is going to go quick. Uh, Did Jamie watch for many reasons? <laughs> yeah, no, she didn't. Aww. She's yet to watch one of the Brendan Frasers, but she, Bedazzled is the one she wants to see. She's like, oh, I think I remember liking that movie. Yeah, um, yeah, Brendan Fraser. Like, is Airheads? Is that one of the things? Just before we get into this, is that one of the things that maybe turns you off a little bit about Airheads? Is it the only time where he's not playing? a complete likable, charming guy. Like he is not blast from the past. Brendan Fraser. He's a bit of a dick. Maybe, but uh, yes and no. Cause like, I mean, you know, he, I mean, crash, like I like him in crash and he's completely different in crash. Right. Uh, Mm -hmm. I mean, the mummy, he kind of toes a line between likable, lovable Brendan Fraser and action star. Right. Like Brendan Fraser, I don't know. Like he's kind of like the, the Chris Pratt, of the 1990s, really, isn't he? Kind of likable, <laughs> lovable, buffoony type of guy that you kind of like. But mm-hmm. uh, I don't think that's what it is about Airheads. It like it, that okay. didn't put me off Airheads. I still liked him in Airheads. So no. All right. Well, just I like him better in Airheads than this. Really? Oh, and I can't believe you say <laughs> you don't think he puts his. Oh, I think he. Oh, bring this. This is lazy for him. No, no, Very I will not have it. <laughs> <laughs> and again, lazy Brendan Fraser. I'll still take that over. Give it her all, Sarah Jessica Parker. So <laughs> that's something. Uh, but you you mentioned last week that like the running time of this movie is very short, and the version I saw did have the cartoon in it there, did. which is okay. a it's a Jay Ward cartoon, the same guy who created it, right. not associated with Dudley Do Right. It's just its own original thing. We won't really cover that, but 
it's it's kind of funny it's kind of amusing and i guess the reason for that is because of the short running time of this movie you know you want to be able to fit in enough show times but you don't want to have all this downtime in between screenings uh the the last movie i know of, i mean we'll get that with pixar movies but that's just sort of their thing it's not because of running time last time i remember where running time actually forced them to have an animated short was uh the winnie the pooh movie <laughs> that came out maybe about 10 years ago mm. i remember taking my nieces to it and with an animated short it was barely over 70 minutes but this is a normal thing this is where animated shorts originally came from is because movies used to be a lot shorter so when you had a short movie you threw that in there this one does it it's kind of cool that they retain that uh it does set up the world of the cartoon i think a little bit better similar to the way that the uh the opening credits of george of the jungle do in george of the jungle so i'm not going to hate on everything in this movie it's just some of it's really stupid but uh opening scene i already have a bunch of questions about this uh, I, I do like the narrator. The narrator, Corey Burton, actually is the guy who does the Clone Wars animated series. So uh. as soon as this came on, I expected him to be like, Count Dooku has seized the capital or whatever, because <laughs> I'm just so used to hearing this Clone Wars voice. But uh, I like that the narrator is constantly correcting himself in this movie because once upon a time in Canada, there unfolded a tale of heroes and villains. And it all started with a boy, a girl, and a horse. <laughs> That's our introduction to the horse. The horse does not get nearly the prominent role that the ape gets in George of the Jungle, but, but still, I like good is the, the horse? horses in there. How good is horse the horse? Come That's on. That's one sexy horse. It is. And you get a good sexified scene in this movie. Reunited. And oh, do you feel, ever. Oh, horse, horse. <laughs> uh, we get introduced oh. to all the main characters as kids here. Uh, I was going to call him George, but Dudley, because that's the name of the movie I should know. <laughs> Dudley is talking about his destiny is to become a Mountie. Uh, Snidely is talking about his destiny is to become a bad guy because they have all the fun. Uh, and uh, Sarah Jessica Parker Jr. What's her character's name? Uh, <laughs> Horse Nell. Jr.? Nell is her Nell. name. Yeah. Nell wants to just travel the world. Uh, Snidely basically proves he's a bad guy by forcing a kiss, essentially committing date rape at a young age here. <laughs> just six years old. This makes me a bad guy. <laughs> kind of weird, uh, but okay. And also he dumps his ice cream on Dudley's head. Uh, and then we get introduced to uh, Dudley, I guess, pretending that he's a Mountie because he wants to be brave and strong and cool. And they keep doing that correction, cool, as he's falling off his chair. It's kind of amusing. It's I can it's tell hilarious. by the look on your face. You you are like crying already. I don't know if it's that funny, but uh, oh, it's so it, I do like I do like the transition where they keep showing that it's like uh, he's uh, you know strong, confident, or a brave, strong, brave and cool, and strong and cool. Let's try that again. And then he falls. He's brave yeah. and strong and cool. <laughs> And then they flash to the adult Dudley and he's doing the same thing where he's still falling on the cool. Uh, I think this is one of my problems with him in this movie. I keep going to call him George because that's a better movie. Dudley. Uh, <laughs> I think that this demanded a goofier Brendan Fraser. And we know that he has it in him. He's playing this so... And maybe it's because he filmed this back-to-back. -back. I mean, I would love to know the production dates that they had for filming. But... Same director, Hugh Wilson, as uh, Blast from the Past. Same star, Brendan Fraser. Two movies released within less than six months of each other. They literally had to film these back to back. This feels like he's doing his Blast from the Past character, whereas I feel like this needed to be a little bit more Encino Man. He needed to really go over the top of the comedy, and I don't think that he nails it. When he falls, it's funny, but like it's not goofy enough. And I almost feel like Jim Carrey... Yeah, I do agree with you. He would be too much for this movie, but maybe a little bit in between. I don't know. 
I think if you watch the cartoon, you get it more. Like, I feel so important and intelligent now being a fan now that I've watched the <laughs> you cartoon. Know what? Like, but I just want to say, we have done years of podcasts from Bond to Oz Network. And just once I want to hear you say, you know what? I really thought that uh, they did a good job capturing the spirit of the book. <laughs> but you finally do research into something that's not reading i watched a cartoon called dudley do right and now all of a sudden you've got this inflated ego it's like oh yeah you know what really if you you understand the context of the cartoon read a book i did on the jurassic park episode okay <laughs> um and i knew that the titanic sunk once <laughs> Well, only once. It didn't resurface and sink again. <laughs> you found that out in a book, right? Ben read the book. The Titanic only sunk once. The conspiracy theories of the Titanic. All these flat earthers and Holocaust deniers claiming the Titanic <laughs> resurfaced and it was a conspiracy. Okay, but at the same time, it makes me sound smart. And, like... I feel that <laughs> Talking about watching Dudley Do-Right the cartoon Makes you sound smart so, uh, Dudley Do-Right's at my level of intelligence I understand it Alright But like <laughs> like Seriously like In the cartoon He is kind of very like He's smart He's a bit naive But he's not over the top dumb Like I feel Having never seen George of the Jungle cartoon I don't know what it's like But I feel The the buffoonery of George of the Jungle Makes sense Whereas here I think it plays into the character more Like I think he's still putting his own. He's got that like fine line between being a bit silly, like slapstick, falling off his chair, having freaking boards hit him in the head, a horse farting and things like that. There are moments in this film where it's fantastic. Like when Sarah Jessica Parker comes into it and he's kind of having this back and forth with it, you can't tell me that he's not putting his all into that and having a blast with that. Later on when he's on the, the motorbike and everything along those lines, like, ah, uh, I, I can't disagree with you more. He's putting everything into this movie. Everyone in this movie is having a blast. Nah. I think there's one person who's having a blast in it, and that's uh, Alfred Molina. Oh, uh, man. Now, my, here's my big question, though. They identify that they were six years old mm. uh, in the opening scene, and then they say 20 years later. In what world is Alfred Molina a 26-year-old man? Yeah, like, he was 46 when he sense. made this. Yeah. And ho- I don't buy Sarah Jessica. <laughs> Do what? Do horses live that long? And actually, horses, not Sarah Oh, it Jessica is the Park. same horse? The, yeah, exactly. Well, she's... You know, not looking 26, but she's not looking 50. <laughs> uh, now, I buy Brendan Fraser because Brendan Fraser, I think, was he was like barely 30 when they made this movie. Sarah Jackson Parker was, I don't know, mid 30s or something like that. But is this after Sex in the City? Is this before Sex in the City? Uh, I never watched time. it. So I, don't I know think Sex in the City was 98 onwards. So this would have been about the same time. Okay. But I mean, from what I understand in that show, she's essentially playing, even if her character's age isn't like super old she's essentially playing a middle-aged woman Mm. so audiences are identifying her as being a middle-aged woman they're definitely identifying alfred Molina as being a middle-aged man uh brendan frazier gets away with it because blast from the past comes out the same year his character's age is 35 and people literally look at him in that movie and say you don't look 35 you look like 25 so i buy him it's just the other character this is what happens when you leave canada (laughs) <laughs> you age terribly. <laughs> we all look great in Canada here. Yep. Ben looks 10 years younger since he moved to Canada. What can I say? What can I say? You know, and Mallory, gosh, she looks like a 14-year-old. It's great. <laughs> I mean, she's in reality not a day over 16. I know. Uh, but... <laughs> but... <laughs> uh, but anyways, the ages aside, I, I am kind of confused with this movie. Is this movie supposed to take place in Canada? Yes. 
The whole movie? Well, yes. Yeah, I mean, Happy Valley. Okay. Family Happy Valley. <laughs> I mean, I don't think the Royal uh, Canadian just... Mounted Police have got jurisdiction in the States, do they? <laughs> I mean... Well, okay, so I just... I don't understand Sarah Jessica Parker's character having no idea about anything to do with Canada unless she literally has been gone for 20 years traveling. But I thought... The idea here is that when she grew up, she went traveling for a few years, but she comes back and she's confused. She's like, this is Canada. Yeah. I, well, I mean, she does say that she served as a U.S. ambassador to Guam. So I'm guessing maybe what, her character the, okay. is American and she was only hanging out with Dudley at the beginning. Maybe? That was that was my second question, because when she's going through all the stuff she did, she says I was the U.S. ambassador to Guam. I don't think a Canadian could become the U.S. ambassador anywhere. Look, like I totally get it. Like there are definitely moments here, but like th- this is one of those ones where I just forgive it because it's basically a cartoon. I mean, you've literally got two guys blowing themselves up in a tank later on in this movie and just brushing it off. Yeah, <laughs> it's like George well, I mean, Jungle, okay, right? Again, like it's just silly. <laughs> there's moments in this movie where I feel like they hit the right tone, and other moments where I feel like you ignored something you should have brought up. Uh, George of the Jungle would go out of their way to be like, you know, oh, we understand that George got shot in the face, but he has a really big boo-boo. Uh, <laughs> there is a line here after um, uh, Sarah Jessica Parker comes back where after we get about, I don't know, a dozen horse farts, uh, which they may have overdone it on the horse farts a little bit in this movie, just my no, opinion. We need more. Uh, <laughs> we need more horse farts. That's what makes that horse sexy is the farting. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, Nothing like a horse that farts. <laughs> but um yeah he has a moment after they leave where he gets the moose stuck on his head and they say and they just basically address the fact that the movie doesn't address the fact the moose head is gone so after stopping for the moose removal uh place or whatever but a couple of things that are happening here that the movie goes very quickly like george of the jungle uh so much so that it's less than 70 minutes yeah but uh the plot is essentially i'm guessing alfred molina is a really bad guy and he has robbed all the gold from this town and then he has decided to bury the gold in a lake and then Eric Idol, random Eric Idol appearance, who oh, is the best thing in this movie, he's legitimately. Oh. He finds the gold. So you wonder why did Alfred Molina hide it in the first place if somebody else was just going to dig it up? He then, I'm guessing, buys the town because the town has property over this lake that has the gold. So he has all the gold and he basically becomes the town is this the plot of the movie the plot is essentially his evil plan is to take over the town own the town and make it prosperous so he makes a shit ton of money off it um and judging on the cartoons that i made this is obviously the snidely whiplash plot like in one of the ones i watched (laughs) he dries niagara falls up so that people will have to go on a honeymoon to his town instead bringing him heaps of money Mm. so clearly his evil plan is to just basically be donald trump and uh, <laughs> this is this is one of those movies where I really and like the, the thing that I like about this movie though is that like this is one of those movies where it's like the evil guy is kind of good and yet they play up to that. The the satire in this movie is well, hang on a minute, the evil guy is kind of good. So like because he's not really doing anything wrong in some levels here is slightly whiplash. I and they make I just fun wish of that. that his like it's plot- brilliant. I think it's very clever. Sorry, keep going. Well, I, I kind of wish that that plot with Niagara Falls is what they use for this movie because I feel like, again, this movie needed to be even more cartoony because what I basically just ran down as a plot, which you confirmed, just sounds like a really stupid plan. It doesn't sound stupid enough where I buy this cartoon, but I will give it. Alfred Molina is having fun in this movie. It He's is amazing. bizarre that Alfred Molina did Dudley Do-Right, though. Uh, so he's basically set up this plan. I I, I do like where he kind of lures his own henchmen away 
by saying, yeah, he took the money and he ran off to uh, Uganda or something Sudan. like that. They're in the Sudan. Uh, yeah, They're the Sudan. Hilton yeah. in Sudan. <laughs> he's the guy who suggested he did this. So everybody runs off and he's the one who stays behind. That's kind of funny. Um, when Sarah Jessica Parker comes back, they, uh, I guess Dudley doesn't believe that it's necessarily her. So he makes her prove it by saying, what's Wayne Gretzky's middle name? Uh, now he's just had a conversation about vampires, which really had me scratching my head. I'm like, why are they going on and on about vampires? He's inept. I get it, but he's not inept enough in this movie for me to really laugh hard. Uh, Snidely convinces Dudley that there are vampires out there. So when Sarah Jessica Parker shows up again, he says, you know, Oh, you got to prove me you're not a vampire. What's Wayne Gretzky's middle name. And she says, I don't know. And I said, do you know what his middle name is? He goes, no, no, I don't. Does that mean I'm a vampire? That made me laugh. I liked that line. I'm a vampire. So no, you're not. Hello, I'm Casper. You here to talk about? Hi, Casper. You here to talk about Dudley Do Right? Hey, Casper. Casper. George, George, George of the Jungle. <laughs> Casper, George, George, George of the Jungle. You want to say hi to Ben? Ben's hi, on Casper. the TV here. I'm ben, ben of the Jungle. Ben. Yes. Bye. Hello. Buy that. He says buy there, Ben. Okay. Why don't you go upstairs? Mommy will get you some ice cream. Okay. No, that's my diploma. Don't touch it. You're going to break it, okay? <laughs> and once you break a diploma, it's this not valid is... anymore. <laughs> well, because it gets him out of here. Feed him some ice cream. Make him, <laughs> make him leave me alone, okay? <laughs> this is from our Colin weekly Hilling. segment. Feed him ice cream. Make him leave me alone. <laughs> this is our weekly segment of Casper's dropping. Like, I don't think it hasn't happened yet. Um, now that we're on camera, it's harder to hide. Anyways. Yeah. Uh, we're releasing these on camera one day, folks. Don't worry. We're actually uh, we're going we to be are, doing yes, video episodes the... soon. So you'll be able to see all this tomfoolery <laughs> happening on camera. Colin might even wear pants from now on. Yeah. You know, I was I was just wanted to prove to you I do have pants on, but I don't know if oh. I can get high enough here. Can you? Uh, they're oh, shorts. They're not pants. Colin's wearing shorts. I never never stand on a swivel chair. That is dangerous. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> I stand off, but I'm naked. So I'm, I'm, I'm good. Please don't. I've heard about what goes around in your house. Might as well be a nudist colony. Um, <laughs> Seriously. Walking up, no one would love it here. <laughs> he's on a plane over right now, just halfway through it this is. podcast, and he's booked his flight. Remember, he's uh, racist. <laughs> Can't get a date. So is our prime minister. That's okay. <laughs> Touche. Yep. That's, yep. There um, it is. Let's address the racism now that we're at that point in the movie. So <laughs> Dudley takes her after his hat catches on fire, which, by the way, brilliant. Uh, <laughs> again, like, proving my point. <laughs> we are like, let's just start a count of how many movies we can cover where somebody gets set on fire and it's meant for laughs so that I can be proven that I'm not a sick and twisted person for laughing at this. But that, that was a highlight of the movie. Uh, so they go to the Corn Festival, which is the indigenous uh, <laughs> tribe of the area, the Kumquat tribe. I'm not offended by this, okay? I'm not. I'm not saying this is offensive, but can we address the elephant in the room of whitewashing this cast when you didn't need to whitewash the cast? Uh, you have your indigenous leaders here, played by two Italian actors, one of which was in The Godfather. This is Mo Green from The Godfather, the man that founded Las Vegas and took a bullet through the lens of his eyeglasses, One a classic moment from The Godfather. And he's playing this indigenous leader uh, and his sidekick is standing room only. Uh, <laughs> these are jokes, fine. Some people may be offended by it. I'm not offended by this. But it is weird that they pick these actors because they're not prominent roles in the movie. You know, Johnny Depp kind of ended the whole whitewashing thing in Hollywood when he took the role of Tonto in The Lone Ranger. People got so offended, like, listen, 
you can't have him pretend this is, I mean, in Canada, maybe it's different because Justin Trudeau does blackface uh, for Halloween multiple times, but uh, you can't do this in Hollywood. That's what they decide anymore. This is pre that fine. If you want to have a major role, I, I, I'm going to give slight defense. I'm not going to give a defense to whitewashing, but sometimes Noah you have to go with, <laughs> we know what Noah will. Hang on, yeah. get him on the line. Noah, we're talking <laughs> about whitewashing. Quick, talk. <laughs> Uh, the role of Colin Hilding this week is played by Noah Groves. Let's just say that. Uh, but sometimes you got to go with an established actor because you need somebody who could really deliver a role. There, There is no lack. They film this in Canada. There's no lack of indigenous actors that could have taken this role and made it funny. There are entire TV shows, even in the 90s, that were just indigenous casts that were big deals in Canada that ran for years. You cast the guy from The Godfather, maybe because you want somebody who's just really funny. These aren't funny characters in the movie. They have one or two lines. There's no reason you have to cast these. You you don't have to cast these Italian actors in in this role. It is a little bit. But isn't that the point? Well, they they, they play up on that. We'll get to that. They play up on they, that they, later they on. They're like, you think they're really Indians? Like, they literally play up yeah, to no. the fact that this is a show. They have a line. They have a line at the end of the movie, which I honestly believe is in there, just so that it can explain why is the guy who took the bullet through the eye, the Godfather, playing <laughs> a tribe's leader. I don't feel. I feel like that line was honestly there just to explain why you had white actors See, in the role. I, I take it the other way because, like, I think this is one of those, like, I guess. Um, like the, the targeted at the end. This is a, a much more kiddie movie than George of the Jungle. So there's not really those adult oh, yeah. style jokes that are in George of the Jungle. This is basically 99% directed at the kids. But like, I feel, I find that's one of the few where it's like a, you know, like later on when he's like, oh, this is basically a dinner show we're throwing, showing here. So like, this is kind of playing into that parody of like, this is what you think Native Americans are going to be. And they've just turned it into a complete Vegas show. Mm. And that basically everybody in this town thinks that this is the natives, yet they're actually a bunch of fakes. Like this guy's got the broadest, yeah. thickest Italian style New York accent in the world. And like, to me, that's what they're doing it deliberately. Mm. I think they've deliberately cast them to do this as a storyline. I don't think I, I think I'm with that joke if they made it that joke. They throw it as a throwaway line at the end of the movie. If they had made that a consistent joke throughout this movie, I'm totally buying that. But they wait until the end. And and I don't think that the accent is that over the top. Again, I'm not offended by this. I just feel like you made the typical Hollywood choice that you gotta cast a white actor in any role of color. Uh and you're in Canada. Uh the I guess American side of this production coming out, there's gonna be a few moments in this movie where any Canadian watching this is gonna be like wow, this is so totally made by Americans, is they're referencing these characters as North American Indians Mm. uh, because you don't want to call them Native Americans because in Canada, you don't call them Native Americans because you're not in America. Uh, Nobody has ever referred to them as North American Indians in Canada. Like that is, oh, wait, but they're supposed to be in Canada. What do you, we'll call them North American Indians. Nobody does that here. A couple other moments I'll point out throughout this movie. Uh, Again, not offensive, just uh, funny they do this. And that's the thing Um, I mentioned that last week. Like I I think- this is where watching it from a 2020 vision point and literally 2020 yeah. vision as well as being in the year 2020, like we're going to sit here and we're going to question, is this offensive? Because that that's the world we live in now, right? And you wouldn't have a scene yeah. like this in a movie like this today. But I mean, in 99, clearly it wasn't, you know, you didn't think about it twice, did you? So um, yeah, and look, I, I, I get the joke. Um, but again, <laughs> I mean, the good thing about Dudley Drew, right, being a movie that no one even remembers exists and nobody ever saw is that this <laughs> this isn't like Casablanca or Gone with the Wind. They're going to ban it on Amazon Prime or put a warning before it. <laughs> like, you know, imagine that controversy. Yeah. Imagine if that had to happen in cancel culture. Dudley Do-Right has been a, considered offensive <laughs> and has been blacklisted. Everyone would have been like, what? what? What's that movie? 
<laughs> and then all the directors and writers are going, yes, people are going to see it finally. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's start it now. Yeah. Let's start. Let's start the campaign of this is this is offensive in oh, Dudley Do Right just to get attention out there. Terrible. The First Nations of Canada are rightfully offended by <laughs> this, and uh, yeah, it's disgusting. They should be putting a warning. They should be banning this. Uh, I, I want it done with. I want it gone. Disgusting movie. I still stand by your theory about that. This is meant to be the joke would really work if you made that a joke throughout the movie and it's not a joke throughout the movie so it's not that funny it's just sort of okay I just weird think, I, I mean, uh, this is a random random defense because like I, I feel like that that's going to be the tone of this like like there are subtle lines and yeah it's not as obvious as George of the Jungle where they really play up to like oh you know bad guy falls in poop there's a part like they they play it so yeah. much I just think this has got like there are lines that explain it and they just make it so subtle that it, it still works. And like again, I, I don't know if I'm the only one in the world who understands this, but like I get the joke the whole time. Like I I, <laughs> oh, I get it. There's that inflated sense of intellect again. Yeah, no, maybe I'm the only person in the world who gets Dudley do right. I'm gonna be the only person ever who's making myself sound smart for trying to analyze <laughs> the subtle, intelligent humor of Dudley Do Right, okay? So, you know, I, I just I wanna own that. say Ben picked apart Airheads last week, but he's the only one who gets Dudley Do-Right. Well, because I will, uh, I will honestly admit Dudley Do-Right is more, con- more coherent of a plot and a movie than Airheads is. Easily. I don't know about that. Easily. <laughs> Hands down. This knows what it is from the opening credits. Airheads doesn't. I don't think... It, well, sure, it knows what it is, but, I mean, it's, it's exactly what y- you've been saying that... Uh, you know, this is more of a kid's movie and I don't feel like it needs to be. I feel like you could have had this be the exact same movie it is, make it five minutes longer, throw in a couple more lines that the adults would get. And that's what makes George of the Jungle so great is that it's just as enjoyable for adults. I enjoy it more now than I did when I was younger. And I agree with that. Like it, you can make this movie better. Absolutely. And I, I, I'm with you. George of the Jungle is a better movie than this. hundred percent. Who the fuck are we to be debating the merits between George of the Jungle and Dudley <laughs> Do-Right? Like people are out there going like the MCU is better than the DCU. And like the, you know, this movie and the artistic merits of, of this movie should have won the Oscar. And we're fucking di- debating George of the Jungle and Dudley Do-Right. But anyway. Um, you yes, know what? I agree you know why you. we're doing this? Because. Kanye West made headlines for saying the Star Wars prequel trilogy was better than the sequel trilogy. Well, so Kanye we can get that same publicity. I was in that intelligent. I would vote for him and yes, an American. Um, if we can get the same conversation going about George of the Jungle versus Dudley Do Right, we'll get the same publicity as Kanye. The dumbest thing Kanye did was marry Kim Kardashian. That's the only stupidest thing. That guy's a genius. All right? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'll hang out with Donald Trump. Things not that smart. But anyway, I don't know where I was going with this point. Shut up, Colin. This movie's great. <laughs> uh, Snidely's henchmen do eventually come back. And uh, he again convinces him to go along with his plan, which I kind of like that. I just wish the henchmen were dumber. Uh, one of the henchmen, Jed Reese, we mentioned, this was one of the guys in Galaxy Quest. Uh, he was also one of the curlers in Men With Brooms that we covered earlier this year. I did not even know this until after I watched the movie, and I'd love to go back and actually find it. But uh, there's an actor named Brent Butt who plays <laughs> a, his character's name is a bad guy in the back. And anybody in Canada will instantly know who Brent Butt is uh, because he is 
if, if Paul Gross, as I said, is like the biggest homegrown talent, this guy is like our Jerry Seinfeld, stand-up comedian who had the biggest show in Canadian history, Corner Gas, that finale, the finale of Corner Gas literally has ratings as high as the Seinfeld and Friends finales. That's how big it was. It spawned his own movie afterwards, his own animated series. Brent Butt is like the king of Canadian comedy. And he had a role in this before he was famous here in Canada, uh, where he played a bad guy in the back. So uh, I would love to find him. I, I yeah, I, I was looking at him now. I've never heard of him. Did you just say you wish that the henchmen were more more, more dumb? Is that what you just said? Yeah. <laughs> I wish that they played up more. Like, here's what I want in the movie. I'll just explain it. The jokes I don't think have the facial expressions. This is another problem with Brendan Fraser. I want him to go googly eyed more often when he gets hit in the Ford with a Ford with a base. Uh, when, you, when, you the, when you hit Bradley Franzer in the, uh, in the Ford with a base. <laughs> I want that, like, the cuckoo cuckoo thing going on, like, spinning things around his head, birds. I want the henchmen to actually be like, duh. Like, I, I don't want them to just, oh, yo, he's in the sedan. Okay, let's go to the sedan. I want them being dumber. And, and, and their actions are dumb, but they don't look dumb enough in this movie. That's a problem. I, I disagree. I think it's on a fine level. Like, the whole section where they're like, they literally go to sedan, all come back, and then they all just, like, storm the building. And then they're just like, we're here to kill you, boss. And then it's like, oh, no, you're not sure here to work for me. And then it's basically like, yep, you're the new brain surgeon. Oh, oh, this is the proudest day of my life. Like, I love that. that the whole thing's brilliant. Like, it just plays into the tone you, of this movie so well. You like die another day so you would find it funny. <laughs> um, I love that that's always your excuse. Like, whenever Ben comes up with a, <laughs> an opinion, you like die another day so you're dumb. <laughs> <laughs> it's a valid argument. Uh, everybody True. out there listening knows that. Yeah. Uh, Outside of this, Eric Idle has found all the gold. Uh, Alfred Molina has basically hijacked the gold from him. It's weird that Eric Idle doesn't talk for like a lot of this movie because in the second half of his scenes, like the first couple scenes he's in, like the first one with Alfred Molina, and then when he appears on Regis and Kathy Lee, uh, <laughs> he doesn't talk. He's being interviewed and he doesn't talk. And then every other point in this movie, they're letting Eric Idle be Eric Idle. So it's just weird that these first couple scenes, he doesn't say anything at all. Uh, there is um, uh, another one of those narrator correcting himself scenes here where Dudley is hard at work and then you see him sleeping and said, okay, he was lying fast asleep. Uh, and this is where he's having his sexy dream of the sexy horse, which <laughs> it is maybe the one thing in this movie that is intended more to be for adults than kids. You get he's having essentially a sex dream about his horse. Uh, it might as well have had Dreamweaver playing in the background. Like it is oh, that obvious. Still is good. Reunited yeah. and it feels <laughs> so good. Uh, Snidely is playing golf, his new favorite game, <laughs> so they could show that he, he lets his golf balls explode on the course. Uh, there's the scene, this is what really sets up the second half of the movie where uh, Sarah Jessica Parker is being lured away from Dudley by Snidely. Uh, because he can both kiss and think at the same time. He calls him totem breath. Totem breath, what does that mean? Uh, and says something like, look it up. It's like, that's right. I can both kiss and think at the same time. Uh, and this is his big insult to him. Sarah Jessica Parker is basically leaving Dudley for him. I don't get why you're saying she's giving her all in this movie. She barely does anything in this movie. Well, she doesn't. She Like, she's pointless in this movie. She's kind of the worst. She's kind of the MJ in this movie, right? Like, she's like one minute with Snidely with that. But like, again... 
Like, she, I feel if you look at the cartoon, like, she's literally the cartoon. Like, she's doing exactly everything the cartoon character does. So I think she's giving her all in the fact that she's literally playing that character. Like, I don't think there's anything more she can do or the script allows her to do. I like, she's not she phoning this in. <laughs> she's playing up to whatever she can. Let's go back to George of the Jungle. Uh, I did watch one or two episodes of George of the Jungle after we recorded the recap. Uh, and... Leslie Mann's character in the cartoon, basically just like this. Leslie, Leslie Mann Mann's made it here, work. And Sarah Jessica Parker's here. Like, I like Sarah Jessica Parker, True. like you, but like Leslie Mann is like <laughs> the Brendan Fraser versus, you know, the, yeah. uh, I, I, I don't know. Uh, I can't think of a random actor we're probably going to do a month on. Um, first name to come <laughs> to my head is. Uh, Bryce Dallas Howard. Bryce Dallas, well, that's a woman. Um, uh, <laughs> Colin Farrell. Oh, there. Wait, wait. <laughs> Wait, what? We we can't cover women on this podcast? No, I'm talking about men in this aspect. I'm not saying we can't cover women. I'm just saying that, like, like I'm not going to compare Linda Hamilton to freaking Tom Hanks, am I? Like, I'm going to refer to her as a woman on the same... I mean, you could. We literally literally started this by comparing Leslie Mann to Brendan Fraser, but you can't compare men or women. Fine. Like, Leslie Mann is here. Sarah Jessica Park is here. Brendan Fraser's here. Bryce Dallas Howard is there. There you go. All right. Done. <laughs> now but I'm happy. Bryce now we're woke too. better than Sarah Jessica Parker, though. So She like, is. That's true. What a woman Bryce Dallas uh, Howard Amanda, is. Let's do Bryce Dallas Howard mouth. I want to oh. do Lady in the Water. Have you ever seen Lady in the Water? That's a M. Night Shyamalan Eminem movie, yeah. isn't it? That everyone rips into, right? Yeah, which I think is his most underrated movie. It's great. She I... plays a mermaid in it. I have seen The Sixth Sense, which is one of the most overrated pieces of crap in movie history. <laughs> um, Signs, I loved it. And yeah. uh, I think that's the only M. Night Shyamalan I'm alive in movies I've ever seen. So um, Unbreakable? No, I haven't seen Unbreakable, no. Oh, you know what? We could we could do an M. Night Shyamalan. There's good and bad M. Night Shyamalan we could I do. I love Signs. Like, uh, I that that the yeah. one movie that I nearly walked out on because I was scared. Like, I legitimately shat myself. The bit where that alien comes into the TV when Joaquin Phoenix is in the yeah. closet and out of nowhere. Fuck, I still shit myself watching that scene. It's so freaky. <laughs> yeah. So freaky. Uh, you should watch A Quiet Place. It is like the spiritual successor to Signs. I'd like to. Not, I, I, Signs is just one of those movies that, like, I think people forget how good that movie is. And everyone just all of a sudden now yeah. is like, oh, it makes no sense because why would the aliens come to Earth if they know that water kills them? Like, shut up. It's a good movie. <laughs> like Dudley do right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know if I go there. Um, so basically what happens here, I can't even tell you why it happens, but Dudley gets fired by Sarah Jessica Parker's dad, who no has a British accent. Movie. <laughs> why, why does the leader of the Mounties here, Sarah Jessica Parker's dad, have a British accent? Because it's, I think it's the same as like, uh, I mean, I'm sure, I don't, I don't know, I've never really seen like old, sort of TV shows from Canada or like there was in Australia, for example, like the forties and fifties, we still had a bit of a British accent, right? Like our accent hadn't come into our own because of our British roots. Our accent's more closer to the British accent than yours, but I don't know if that's like the, you know, playing into that olden style thing that all Canadians probably secretly have a British accent at some point. Like (laughs) Australia, still get it in Australia. I love that every defense you have for this movie is bringing up one throwaway moment. You're like, well, that was their intention. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but I he is the only character is. that's British in this movie. No, well, but the prime minister you have is non- British. You're getting them confused. Like the pr- the prime minister is British, and then this guy's sort of British. I think I think this is the he American is way of going. Like, well, really proper Canadians are British. Like, I think that's what they're saying. <laughs> okay, 
Let's go with it then. Uh, well, there's a Eric fucking Idle gorilla doesn't say in anything. George of the Jungle that's British. I don't think African gorillas are John Cleese. <laughs> what is it with the Monty Python actors around this time period saying we need to attach ourselves to Brendan Fraser <laughs> well, animated live action films? He's halfway there, Brendan Fraser, to completing the set of Monty Python actors here, isn't he? So, um, yeah, I don't know if he ever did a movie with the other two. Maybe he did. <laughs> I think there were more than four Monty Python guys. Wasn't there, living, there was I only guess. the four, though. The four main guys. No, I think six of them. Was there? Oh, I thought there was only four. My bad. Yeah. Oh, you're right. Okay, yeah. I'm looking All right. Well, Grant Chapman, Terry Gilliam, 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 fuck, uh, Gilliam. Terry Jones and Michael Palin. Yeah, you're right. Sorry, Ben Monty gets Python. his research from cartoons. So. I, didn't, I never saw the Monty uh, so Python he gets cartoon. Oh, <laughs> well, you should. It's great. Uh the only line I really want to talk about that I actually really liked here uh, before we get to the second half of the movie, which is Dudley Do Wrong, uh, is where, <laughs> uh, first of all, I do like Brendan Fraser is not shirtless in this movie. He wears a giant red onesie. Yep. Uh, maybe this movie would have made more than $2 million if he had been shirtless. Uh, perfect excuse here to have him be. But uh, good line that they had in the movie here, though. Uh, with um, them saying it, D- Dudley Do-Right. Uh, oh, yeah, I never forget a face, although your name escapes me. Literally <laughs> seconds after he said the name Dudley Do-Right. That I liked. So you got something there. But first half of the movie, just to set up, this is probably the cartoon. The second half is going to be the dark side of Dudley Do-Right. Wow. You, you wow, you miss all the brilliance, brilliance of this movie. I want to say Mallory watched Wow, this, this movie is 77 minutes <laughs> and we have gone longer than that on the first half and I miss the brilliance of Dudley Do-Right. This is where this movie, this episode turns into a four-hour recap when Ben Waterworth uh, <laughs> yeah. displays the subtle brilliance that is Dudley Do-Right. Mallory watched this movie with me. Um, within five minutes, she's like, oh, I love this movie. Like when they're falling off their chair oh. and you're brave, strong. About 40 minutes later, this movie's stupid. I'm going to bed. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, uh, <laughs> she had it and then she she, she never saw the end of it. Um, I just want to quickly mention, I, I'm glad that you did have the cartoon at the beginning because, yeah, I, I, I do remember that being part of like the VHS and the DVD. So, I mean, yeah, obviously it's probably just part of the actual cut of the movie. Um, just I don't know. There's something about that cartoon that's just so stupid, but it's hilarious at the same time. Um, I just love how this movie starts, and it's like once upon a time in Canada, like the way the narrator says Canada. Uh, just the way he says it, like this opening scene with these kids. I hate children actors. You generally know that, but like it just again the cartoon nature. But I love this little Dudley. It's my destiny now to be a royal Canadian. It's like what a bunch of wimps. Nightly, <laughs> like what are you going to be when you grow up, Nightly? Isn't it obvious? I'm going to be the bad guy. Like it's just you're watching a cartoon. It's just brilliant. Um, the opening cartoon bit, the that's the actual Dudley Durant theme. And basically this ah. opening, uh, this opening with the train and all that sort of stuff, that's the opening credits of the Dudley Durant cartoon. So, uh, there you go. You're, you're learning a lot. Um, I l- <laughs> <laughs> well, thank God you did your research this week. <laughs> I just love the, the cuts of the cartoon and then you've got, speed it up Brendan Fraser on a horse like that, 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 and he gets off and it's like the narrator the smartest horse this side of Ottawa and he like throws the stick at the horse he's like <laughs> <laughs> well maybe not that smart <laughs> I 
just so funny. Like the cartoon is, is literally every five seconds. Like it's just a dumb throwaway moment. Like the the one, the Niagara one, it's like um, the the dad, the British guy is in the cartoon and he's like, Dudley, you must go and save Niagara Falls. Maybe you can marry Nell finally and go there on your honeymoon. And then Dudley Drew is like, who's Nell? Dudley, my daughter. <laughs> and like, it's just playing up. And then like narrator play. It's funny, all right? Um, <laughs> <laughs> but the whole... The Mountie is meant to be brave and strong and cool. And <laughs> just falls over. I love the little kid when he's like, you see the background, he's got like a drawn window of like the wilderness out his window, yeah. <laughs> like a drawn Canadian flag. Um, I struggle to work out who is the best person in this movie because it's either Eric Idle or it's either Alfred Molina. They are both equally as brilliant. Or the chief, the kumquat chief is brilliant as well. Like, I love them all. Really? Equally. He's so funny. Like, don't let the fish lift for you. I'm so 62. <laughs> and what was like, you know what we could use right now, Chief? A week in Maui. <laughs> no. <laughs> What's he say later on? That's not fair. They've got rocks. Oh, we've got these machine guns. <laughs> so funny. Why am I the only one laughing here? Uh, this, this was what it was like. This is the sound of opening night <laughs> of Dudley Do Right in theaters. One guy laughing. Why am I the only one laughing? Come on, everybody! <laughs> See, Brendan Fraser would be my friend, just in the fact that I'm like. And how can you say he's not giving his all when he throws the stick and horse doesn't do anything? The look on his face, he's just uh, uh, oh, and he kind of just plays up to it and falls off, and he adjusts his uniform like, oh, it's so good. So good. You're wrong, Colin. The bank robbery scene. How do you miss that when, like, he walks into the bank? All right, this is the stick-up. Just give me a sec. Wait till all my men get in. And you just see this shot of, like, a thousand people coming into the bank. Like, I want all your money and your gold. And then the manager comes in. What's all this ruckus about? He wants all the money, sir. And the gold. Oh, and the gold. (laughs) It's just so funny. It's funny, Colin. Laugh. <laughs> Everybody, come on. And then, like, the, the way the narrator, like, goes, like, well, he should be scared because the number one mountie in the country would soon be on his tail and he was busy doing mountie things. And he's on the phone, like, going, no, 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 no. I want half anchovies and half pineapple, whatever it is. Okay, thanks, mom. <laughs> like, thanks. Yeah, no, okay, I did like that thanks, mom thing when he's ordering the pizza. And then you get to the the, the lair, slightly whiplashes, not so secret lair. Um, oh, he's left us only with this meager $26,000. <laughs> I just love the way it's like, I hear he has gone to the Sudan. Yes, he is at the Hilton Sudan. <laughs> and then everybody just leaves. And you got slide. I love this thing that Alfred Molina does that. Like that little like, yes, like that evil cartoon. That wasn't the horse. Well, that too. <laughs> Alfred Molina reminds me of Mike Myers in Austin Powers as Dr. Evil. Like he is just having so much fun doing such an over-the-top cartoony villain that just makes it brilliant. And I think after the halfway point of the second Austin Powers, Dr. Evil is the star of that franchise. Like, I'm sure even you would agree with me, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Um, they, I mean, the, the fourth one is meant to be about Dr. Evil eventually, if that ever happens. So to me, that's where like Alfred Molina really shines in this. The fact that he's just playing up to this cartoonish villain and just some of the lines he has in this movie. It's like, I'm wearing black. Clearly I'm the bad guy. <laughs> like, and what is it? The, um, 
the the chief guy that you don't like when they're meeting with the prime minister like have you seen how he dresses he's abraham lincoln hat duh like it's just they play up to the joke um yeah shooting gold the, the whole vampire thing is because he's gotten caught and he's like trying to lie on his feet so he's like oh everyone knows you got to kill a vampire because dudley durad's dumb he's gonna believe it right like come on how, how is it not so obvious to me because you don't get 12 year old humor um, and then like <laughs> other little bits that I think are hilarious with Alfred Molina when he just like has the bank manager on the rail. Why, why? Here's a plot line. Why did he not make the bank manager sign over the D when he robbed the bank? Like, why does he have to kidnap him again to put him on the train tracks? Right. That doesn't make sense. Um, but it's like, you must sign over all your deeds, but if you would own everything, all right, I'll do it. And just like signs it with his mouth. It's so hilarious. And like one of the funniest bits of this movie is when he kicks out that family. It's like, all right, I'm, I own your house now. We either pay up or you and the little tots are out in the street. You can't do that. What's, you know, why would you do that? Yes, I can do that. Cause I'm evil. Now get out of here. You wipe that smile off your face. And no talking. Like, <laughs> does that it's so funny and then the little montage of everything colin's literally there shaking his head going oh this is terrible like what's going on changing it to like whiplash city and you've got like the funeral home and everything along those lines and then you miss like another you miss so many great scenes when all the towns oh how could i miss all this classic stuff (laughs) the townsfolk show up to dudley's door and it's like, they've taken all our homes and our businesses. Yeah. And they've all got their dogs. And then Brendan Fraser's just like, oh, well, that's a relief. is <laughs> just like, oh, disgusting. Uh-huh. And it's like, if no. I laugh, will this go quicker? <laughs> I also love the fact that, like, you've got Brendan Fraser kissing his horse. If there are two things I know that are true, these are this. It's that horse, you will never leave me. And that my beloved Nell will never show up. And of course, five seconds later, horse runs away from a vampire yeah. dress out really with a horse-shaped cutout in the door. And then you hear, <laughs> and then Nell shows up wearing a vampire outfit. This whole sequence, this is where I said before, like, how can you say Brendan Fraser's not giving his all here? Like, he's literally sitting in front of a, a fire, eating a pizza, and like going, like the way he kind of spits the pizza out, and is like, oh, if you're a vampire, as if I'm going to fall for that. And then when he talks about the the whole, like, hat being on fire and it's like, Dudley, is something burning? Yeah, like, I'm going to fall for that. The way he kind of, like, turns to the camera and, like, says it. And he's like, what is that? And, like, the hat's on fire. <laughs> the way Gretzky thinks, hilarious. Like, you, if, if you really aren't a vampire, you need to answer this simple Canadian question. What is Wayne Gretzky's middle name? Well, I don't know, Dudley. <laughs> yeah, ha. Well, do you know? No, I don't. Maybe I'm a vampire. <laughs> He's like looking at his <laughs> For those playing at home, Wayne Gretzky's middle name, Colin, what is it? Can you tell me? Douglas. Oh, there you go. You're not a vampire. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah, there we go. <laughs> uh, you, you missed that when I'm calling you. <laughs> I like... I like that every time you say you miss that, it's almost with a little bit of disdain. Like, you missed this part. That's so good. All the Dudley Do-Right fans out there are going to be like, what is he thinking? I'm going to Did he watch this movie? The Dudley Do-Right fan club. And I, for the first time in my life, I can say that our podcasts have more fans than like a fan club out there of a, <laughs> of a movie or something like that. Um, When he opens the door and he's got like water dripping down his face, he's like, when I'm calling you. It's brilliant. It's so good. Shut up, Colin. You're wrong. <sighs> um... 
<laughs> the line when he lands on the beach and the whole, this is Canada now, things are real up here. Always used to say that to my friend. I actually really like the dance number, like the song. Like, it's actually pretty cool. Like, I like that, the the music. I don't know. At Do you know if you like that? Well, I mean, I, I, I just noticed while watching this how frequent Brendan Fraser dance numbers were in his mm. movies. And I don't think it ever occurred to me until now. This was like a John Travolta thing. Like, even when John Travolta made it big again with Pulp Fiction. I remember prior to that, my mom used to point out every time there was a John Travolta movie, look, he's dancing. I bet you that they have in his contract where he has to dance in a movie. And I didn't believe her until I started watching every movie he made. Look who's talking. He's got dance scenes in it. Uh, you know, uh, Be Cool, he dances. Michael, where he plays an angel, he dances. Uh, it's just a John Travolta thing. Brendan Fraser might be second behind that because mm. he dances in It's Eno Man. He dances in Georgia the Jungle. He dances in Dudley Do-Right. He dances in Blast from the Past. I bet she even dances in Crash. I'm, I'm sure in Doom Patrol he's dancing right now. Uh, the Mummy, does he dance in that? Like, I, I, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> let's, let's make part four where he dances. He's very Chris Pratt-like. Now that I brought that up, he kind of is very he Chris is. Pratt-like, isn't he? So let's, and know, you know let's correct that. Chris Pratt is very Brendan Fraser-like. Yes. Thank you. Well, and I was, I was uh, trying to think about a way to defend when people criticize Brendan Fraser's box office, you know, flops. Because this... I'm not, I'm, I don't think that this movie deserved to be a hit, but <laughs> when it came out, I remember it was all, oh, Brendan Fraser had this massive bomb. This is coming off of the year where he had the mummy and Blast from the Past. Blast from the Past was a moderate hit, but it was bigger than people expected it to be. Uh, and then we'd get that every time a Brendan Fraser movie bombed. It was like, oh, Brendan Fraser movie bombed. And he sort of developed this reputation as being like very inconsistent with his box office. That's no different than every movie star now. Yeah, It's obviously being in the 90s, it was harder. And I think that this is why there was so much criticism on him after you know he made furry vengeance his last big movie and it bombed uh where the real story as we've kind of found out was that he was blackballed because he wouldn't ball something else um (laughs) it was the wrong word blackball was the wrong word to choose there uh but um but but really it's no different in in the 90s this was it tom cruise Every movie he had would make $100 million. Jim Carrey, every movie would make $100 million. Tom Hanks, every movie. Denzel, every movie, $100 million. That was a 90s thing. Now, I was thinking, who's a a big box office draw? You think about Chris Pratt. Chris Pratt isn't a big box office draw because people love Chris Pratt. They see his movies because he makes a good movie and people will pay to see it. Chris Pratt has had box office bombs like Brendan Fraser. Uh, I think judging Brendan Fraser's popularity against people like Tom Cruise, Tom Hanks, Denzel Washington isn't fair. He obviously had a massive following and it's just, it wasn't a guarantee that every movie would be a hit. He is like the prototype for modern movie stars. And I guess we talked about how he's kind of almost like a Keanu Reeves in that, um, I mean, people are still asking about him. I mean, all jokes aside about yeah. Ryan Felipe, like, like no one asks about him. Like no one cares. <laughs> Like Sean William Scott, like I like Sean William Scott, but like he's kind of like mm-hmm. a passing comment. Like, oh yeah, remember him? Like whatever happened to him? You know, some of those like late 90s, early 2000s people. But like, I feel everyone always asks about Brendan Fraser. It's like, well, what happened to that guy? Yeah. Like, you know, he was he was all everywhere in that period. So, I mean, that is, as much as it's a negative for people to be like, well, God, that guy disappeared. At the same time, people care enough to ask about where he is. Mm-hmm. So clearly he's got that fan base out there. And uh, still, clearly I think people care about him one thing i want to backtrack just also the conversation in the hut before they go to the 
uh, the Native American land. Uh, the way Neil's like, so what have you been up to? Native Neil? American? The Native, Native North Americans? Native North American, Native Canadians. I, I don't know. By the time we end this podcast, they want to be called something different. They keep changing their names. I don't know what they're called this week. So, come um, quiet. Come quiet. Thank you. Um, the Italians pretending to be native. <laughs> um, the, when Neil's like explaining what have you been up to? Oh, I did what I said I would do. Travel the world, blah, blah, blah. And just, just reels on like all these amazing things. I like, got a degree at Harvard and then I became the US uh, ambassador to Guam. And then Dudley's just like, hmm, anything else? <laughs> or something like yeah. that. <laughs> and what does he say at some point? Like, I thought we could have a quiet night in. I can go get one of those fuzzy blankets from the Mountie store and we can drink some Ovaltine. <laughs> oh, yeah, Ovaltine. I love Ovaltine. Underrated. Um, oh, it's but, like, I, I love this conversation when Standing Room Only pulls out Brendan Fraser and he's basically like, Standing Room Only is you. He's basically like, uh, yeah, there's a guy running around town in a creepy uniform shooting gold into the ground. Like, don't you think that's weird? And then, like, Brendan Fraser's like, oh, no, that's just snidely. And what does Standing Room Only say? Something like, oh, you're an idiot, Chief. And then Brendan Fraser's like, are you talking to me or the Chief? And the Chief is like, Oh, he's talking to me. He's talking to me. So that's no way to speak to your chief. <laughs> it's so funny. Laugh, Colin. <laughs> Laugh. <laughs> um, Eric Idol is amazing. Eric Idol is gold in this movie. And I just, I yeah. love this transition when it's like he finds the gold and then Starley Whiplash is like, don't you know what you've done? You've discovered the gold. You're going to be on network television. Here, let me take a photo. He's like, oh, can I at least, uh, you know, do my pants up or something like that? It's like, no. And then I just love the transition. you got like flash bulb. And then it's like, welcome to Regis and Kathy Lee. He just walks out, knocks over something. Fucking Regis and Kathy Lee are in this movie for whatever reason. But I just love the way it's like, oh, so how are you feeling? It's, oh, well, I'm actually quite lightheaded, Kathy. <laughs> it's like, oh, well, it just, it's just a shame that none of this gold will be yours because you didn't find it on land you owned. And he's just like so disappointed. And then they cut to coming up next, Bette Midler. <laughs> he's just like, oh? <laughs> and he's like, really? And they're both like, yeah. And you just see this look on his face where he's like, oh, like he's so excited to meet Batman. Come on, that's funny. I like Eric Idle in this movie. Like His later, best stuff's still to come, though. When he's walking around town, I was on Regis and Kathy Lee. I yeah. know Bette Midler personally. <laughs> yeah, I like that part. Also, the Canada... Meanwhile, on the Canada-US border, nothing is happening as usual. When <laughs> You've got that guy in the thing. The stampede of cars. You talking to me? I said, are you talking to me? <laughs> Funny story, this is actually what happened uh, in this year, in 2020, when all the Americans tried to get into Canada before the border closed to get away from Trump. So that's a yep. true story. Uh, when you got snidely whiplash flicking channels and we get the great scientists have discovered that Canadian bacon is actually just real hair. <laughs> it's so <laughs> funny. Um and the whole scene where like all the henchmen come back and Snidely's just giving him jobs. It's like, what is he like? Johnson, didn't you go to school? Oh yeah, boss, I did. Well, you're the new superintendent of schools. <laughs> it's like, oh, oh, it's a dream come true for me. <laughs> it's so funny. And then the one guy, Homer, he's the duh guy of this movie. It's like, you weren't in the Sudan, boss. And it's like, didn't you once work at McDonald's? Why, yes, boss. It's like, you're the new manager of the Slaw Dog Stamp. Oh, but whip, I can do better than that. <laughs> Nonsense. Now, we're going to need a brain surgeon. <laughs> so 
funny. Can I just bring up? I'm gonna bring up my laugh track again, just to oh, keep this on pace. <laughs> come on, do it. I'm, I'm waiting for it. Oh, okay. Oh no, now you got pressure <laughs> oh, you, on me. You play a tell joke. Me. Come on, Colin, tell, stick with it. Make it funny. Did, tell us another funny part in this movie, Ben. Okay. Well, Snidely's walking through the town, and he's all like, "I see Americans, Japanese. Where are the Canadians?" And then you've got the guy from Galaxy Quest. And it's like, uh. That, that wasn't it, but okay. Uh, <laughs> Canadians like to think things through, boss, before they come through. No, that, yeah. No, oh, okay. Yeah, all right. <laughs> Hold on, I'm waiting for the funny part. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, okay. Um, the magazine stand where it's like every single picture of Alfred Molina. Um... <laughs> The, the, the yeah, I like Brendan Fraser waking up in the in the red onesie, listening to reunite. It's horse, horse, and you see like the blur line going behind him when he's like running towards it. The bit where they're in the gift store and he's like going through it, and then the Galaxy Quest guy is like, "You know what I was thinking, boss? Now that we're rich and all, we should play golf." <laughs> he just grabs him. <laughs> You're right. And the next minute, they built like a mini golf course and he's playing golf where everyone's balls explode. And then he can't, like, he can't keep his head down without his hat, like, going up, down, up, down. So he holds it. And I just love the way he says, like, Dudley, do right. It's you again. <laughs> it's so funny. Where's the last. <laughs> Uh, Nell is the worst though when she like basically goes from Dudley to getting made out by Snidely and then just sits on his lap. Um, also, Brendan I mean, she, Fra- she in it for the money. Let's just let's just call her a gold digger. Who's choosing Alfred Molina over Brendan Fraser? Oh, I mean, not me, but like I would choose Alfred Molina <laughs> over most men. I mean, Alfred Molina. I'd choose Alfred Molina over Sarah Jessica Parker, but that's just me. That's a tr- that's a tricky one. Um, Sarah Jessica Parker is <laughs> married to Matthew Broderick, so there's a bonus into that, right? Like, you, oh. know, you go home with Sarah, you go home with Matthew. So, <laughs> whereas I don't know who Alfred Molina is married to. So, I mean, is he married to Renee Russo? Then there's another tricky one. So, um, oh. when they blow up Dudley Singh and Homer comes back and he's all like smoking on the thing, and they're in the bar and suddenly we're like, this is time to celebrate. All drinks on me. Actually, no. Screw that. All drinks half price. Nope. Screw that. All drinks double or nothing. Or double the price. <laughs> and he's like, it's laugh already. Uh, <laughs> and when he goes, uh, when he goes, way, to, oh yeah. I was yep. just, what I was I just gonna say, Alfred Molina is currently married to, or at least with, one of the directors of Frozen. Oh well, okay. No, I'm going home with Sarah Jessica Parker. <laughs> 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 I don't need to listen to Let It Go all night. Uh, when I can listen to Inspector Gadget. Um, I should have gone with Ferris Bueller there, much more famous than Inspector Gadget, but sure, I'll go with that other one. <laughs> that had Michelle Trachtenberg in it, and I'll, I'll, if there's a connection to Michelle Trachtenberg, I'm there. Um, when he goes to Ottawa to meet the Prime Minister, the Prime Minister kind of is right here, though, isn't he? When he's just like, well, he's bringing in all these American dollars to Canada, so what's he doing wrong? And the reason why Dudley gets fired from the overly English father of Nell is because he's basically trying to prevent millions of dollars coming into the Canadian economy. Basically, <laughs> Brendan Fraser is trying to stop what people hoped Dudley Durai would do for Canada and bring in hundreds of millions of American dollars. <laughs> oh, so therefore, I see how you did that. Yes. 
Uh, and the, the dad he's played, he's in lots of things. The um, the Robert the, Prosky, he was in um, Last uh, Action Hero, wasn't he? Was Robert, wasn't he the Mrs. Mrs. Delphi, Mrs. Delphire. Oh, he was the uh, the guy, but wasn't he's also the ticket guy in Last Action Hero, isn't he? That gives um, the kid the ticket that gets him in the movie. Oh, the yeah, guy? you're right. Is that the same guy? Yeah, Last Action Hero as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, he's in. Uh, is he still alive? He'd be dead by now, wouldn't he? Probably now that I've said that. <laughs> uh, he is. Uh, <laughs> 2008 <laughs> oh okay he lived a few years after this one so Dudley Durat didn't kill him um <laughs> the, when he's with the chief guy the chief guy in Ottawa you know like look at him duh and when he like gets out of the elevator he's like what are you looking at sweetheart or something like that <laughs> and I love the prime minister when he's like well I tell you what Dudley strike me a few times with a blunt instrument but that's good for Canada or something like that <laughs> just <the way> <laughs> Oh, I'm carrying this podcast right now today. It's it's Uh, easier than actually (laughs) when Dudley gets fired. um, It's like, what what does the dad say? Like, I want you to get your uniform and your horse. It's like, well, sir, I would grab my horse, but my horse ran away. And I love the dad's like, oh, that's so sad. And one bit I'm sure you found stupid <laughs> when Dudley's on the phone to Sarah Jessica Parker and it's like, where are you, Nell? And she's like, oh, I don't know. I'm so bad with directions, Dudley. And like just pulls into the... Colin has this look on his face where he's literally like, stop this. <laughs> I want this episode to be over. This is not funny. Move on. I, I, I'm just... I'm just curious, are we at the point now where Mallory walked out? <laughs> I think Mallory walked out around about the rock fight. Um, but uh, uh, <laughs> I, I, I think I'm stopping there because this is where he turns evil. Although when he, the Eric Idle bit, when he meets Eric Idle, he's like, I know you, you're Dudley Do, right? And the line you said before of like, I never forget a yeah. uh, face. Maybe your name escapes me. But I love Basically, it your he, name escapes me. <laughs> when he's like, you're my new best friend. You can want to come stay back where I live. And of course, he's like living in a camp or whatever. Uh, I do love the bit though, when he's like basically encouraging him to do wrong. And he's like, then I would, but I'm Dudley do right. I already must do right. Then I would be Dudley do wrong. And then I love Eric Hyde. was like, oh, well, yeah. hey, that sounds pretty good. It sounds almost French. Oh, Dudley do wrong. Um, and one other bit too, the little dinner scene. Sorry, there's so much brilliance in this movie. When Snidely's having dinner with Nell and her father and you've kind of got them panning over and they cut to like Alfred Molina and you've got the narrator going like, and now he's having dinner with Nell and her father and hopefully they will see through that absolute moron. And then you kind of see like Snidely look into the camera and then the narrator's like, oh, sorry. Like, Come on, it's funny. <laughs> Uh, sorry, I lost my laugh track. Uh, ah! I gotta do it for real. Life. <laughs> okay, um, I'm th- done. Th- there is some 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 of my favorite stuff is about to come though, because this is where Eric Idle just goes Monty Python Evil. on this entire movie. Uh, <laughs> the uh, yeah, the first thing that he does where he's saying like he's tr- basically he's trying to train Dudley Do Right to be Dudley Do Wrong. He's like, you need to be you know, a dangerous man. You need to be angry. You need to be the villain so that you can be the hero again. Uh, and he's telling him, it's like, I want you to say, I am dangerous. And <laughs> Brandon Fraser's just like, you are dangerous. No, no, no. I want you to say, I am dangerous. Yeah, I just did. <laughs> so, let's try this again. This is a line. This is the sand. Whatever you do, do not cross the line in the sand. It's like, 
you're still standing there. It's like, you told me not to cross the line in the sand. Uh, it's like, I want you to say, I am evil. I am evil. And then when he hits him and Brandon Fraser just sort of hopping on his foot, he goes, very good. Hopping on the, the hopping on the foot defense. <laughs> that part genuinely made me laugh where he's literally just hopping on his foot because he hit him. And the hopping the, on foot defense. The way he crosses the line and he hits him, he's like, what did you do that for? I'm evil. I can't help it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, then we get Dudley Do-Right being Dudley Do-Wrong here as he's chained the guy up. I don't even know who this guy is. Uh, I just, I was very caught off guard by him tying a man up to a spitting saw blade uh, only to find out that the saw blade is made of foam or paper mache or something like that. And he's he even says it's 100% recyclable. <laughs> That's kind of clever. I like all this stuff. You know, we get the motorcycle chase here, a uh, bit of an action sequence. That's okay. And, uh, now, you'll have to catch me because, again, so much of this movie goes so fast. So somebody has basically carved the initials DD it's into Dudley a barn. Dudley does it on the motorbike. Okay, so, all right. Well, see, I was wondering, did Dudley do that or is this Snidely trying to set him up? Like, say, no, see, he's bad, everybody. Before the motorbike chase, you see Dudley come into the, the gold place where he's just had the saw, and then you see him with the DD, and then that's what starts the motorbike mm. chase. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, DD initials are in there, and Snidely's like, you see, only one, don't, DD can only stand for one thing, and then like, Doris Day, and somebody else, John DeLuise, and somebody else, David Duchovny. That it's part is funny, I know you've quoted it. That's what I quote all the time. You, yeah, that I was going to say, you have quoted that before, that's how I know that one. Uh, I did like that. Uh, we get um, the... Uh, 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 this okay you'll have to remind me here something about snidely i guess is jealous that now dudley is the bad guy and he's not the bad guy anymore oh yeah he says about the wardrobe he says he's even wearing black because dudley do is just all in black and then it's like oh, i'm in black that's more of a black navy I was like, my black was at the cleaners okay <laughs> that was okay uh brandon frazier going to born to be wild here the born to be wild um uh, montage. This is at the the party where he's trying to win back Sarah Jessica Parker by carving her into bushes uh, with a chainsaw. Uh, I did like that they at least fit a Canadian song in there for this Canadian movie with Born to Be Wild, um, the most authentically Canadian thing in this movie. Uh, we get another dance scene here as Dudley gets to do the, the, the dance, and they even say something here uh, about uh, Dudley is Studley or something like that. Um, there's Snidely back at his secret hideout and day spa. Is there a little bubble bath or something? That was kind of funny. Uh, and this is where they launch their assault. So Snidely's all upset because he's no longer the bad guy. He tries to set Dudley up as like the villain for the town. I guess it's like a town hall meeting where he's saying, this is our enemy and everybody's booing, you know, they're cheering for Dudley. They're booing him. And they decide they're going to launch an assault on the kumquat nation here. Uh, so this is where the villains have tanks and guns and everything. And I think this is the line you were talking about where they, they have that throwaway moment where they're saying, don't you have anything to defend yourself or whatever? So what, you think we're real Indians? Uh, <laughs> Could have made it a bigger part of the movie, still say. They have fireworks, though, so they start shooting fireworks off. Now, here comes the two things that I know for a fact are just Americans not understanding that this is not a thing in America. We get... Stars and Stripes Forever playing as this assault in the one. That's the musical. It is not a joke in the movie. It is not a point of the movie to be like, this is an American. They're literally playing an American 
theme called Stars and Stripes Forever in a battle that's taking place in Canada, which is then followed by the cavalry charge. With the... Again, another U.S. military thing. This is not a Canadian thing. And it's not a joke. It's just, as a Canadian, it bothered me that, that, that this American movie fit these things in there thinking, oh yeah, this is, they would play the Stars and Stripes Forever so, everywhere, wouldn't they? Isn't that a Canadian theme? So you're like complaining a lot of this movie that it, 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 it doesn't do things correctly and, and your big gripe is that this isn't Canadian enough. Would you have been like this movie, this was authentically Canadian? Again, I'm not saying this, like I said earlier, this doesn't offend me. I am not like, oh, that's so stupid. It's just, it's one of these things where it's clearly not meant as a joke. They're just like, let's have authentic background music and the filmmakers had no clue that this makes it look like an arrogant American film as if the Stars and Stripes Forever is something that every country will play. Uh, if they had made it into a joke, maybe with like, isn't that an American theme? Like, make it joke. Brendan Fraser, this is where I think that Brendan Fraser was ultimately lazy in this movie because he's not going out his way to correct anybody. And I'm not even saying he's he not should. An editor. He's picked, not the musician of this movie. I, he's the actor. He probably didn't know until he saw it at the premiere day. No, I'm, I'm not even saying he should correct anything, but I, I imagine Brendan Fraser as being your typical Canadian here where they're like, all right, so we're going to have the Stars and Stripes Forever playing, and he's just sort of laughing under his breath. They think that all countries play this music, and he's like, you know, a real Mountie would actually be riding the horse backwards, and they're just buying into it. That's where I like to think Brendan <laughs> Fraser would uh, uh, be in this movie. We get a bit of a battle scene here. Um yeah, this is what the line was is about native North Americans uh, can run all day. Uh, what you think we're real Indians? Uh, the Mounties end up coming to the rescue. The real Mounties. This is where the, the, the real Mounties, the Royal Canadian Mounted Police play the American cavalry charge. Uh, and we get O Canada actually playing. So one uh, other authentic Canadian song. Uh, and Dudley gets his uniform back. He gets his fort back and he gets Sarah Jessica Parker. What a prize. They both get hit with a floorboard in the face and the horse farts. No better way to end this movie. Brief section there where Eric Idle made this movie watchable. He is literally gone as quickly as he comes into the movie. Like, I liked that mentor-teacher relationship. It's like, I'm going to teach you in this whole montage of do this, do this. And then Eric Idle's like, all right, you know what you're doing now? I'm walking out. Like, keep him in the movie. It would have really held my attention for the last few minutes that Mallory couldn't stay awake for. Again, you missed the whole point that him going away actually oh, led to them getting rescued. You missed, <laughs> you missed all the stuff in Dudley Do-Right that you'd only understand if you watch a cartoon. The, the plot of the ending is essentially that the Mounties show up and they're like, well, how do they show up? So Eric Idle's character, when he finds his family, just happens that his wife is the Prime Minister of Canada. And then they sit like, that's hilarious. <gasps> Oh, what's great is it? I can't tell right now if you're laughing because you find it funny, if you're laughing because you think I'm that stupid that I can't pick up on the plot of Dudley Do Right. There's a bit of both. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's Dudley Do Right. Dudley fucking brilliant, right? That's what it is. Uh, <laughs> oh, you missed so much good stuff in here. What's wrong with you? Oh, okay. Uh, hold on. Hold on. Let me get the laugh track ready. We're going to need this. Get it. Get it. Go. Uh, is it ready? Can I start? I'm <laughs> um, the, the training montage is brilliant. Like, it really is. I'm evil, evil. It's like, do not cross this line. Okay, why didn't you cross the line? Because you told me not to cross the line. <laughs> like, again, how can you say Brendan Fraser's not giving his all? Like, he's just got this dumbness and cuteness to him where he's naive and stupid at the same time. It's brilliant. And then, like... 
we you have this sequence where basically he goes to this dance. You miss the whole dance hall situation um, where I love the song sang by the old people. And this is kind of Eric Idle saying, you're not ready yet. And it's like, no, I'm ready. There he is in there. So they have this dance number, which is it's pretty cool. Um, and then Snidely defeats him in dance off, essentially. Um, and then this is the, the big montage section. And um, the what does the narrator say? Something like that. He was going to be trained by someone with the world's biggest Pokemon collection or something like that. <laughs> like just randomness. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> I wish we had that like on permanent rotation. <laughs> <laughs> Rob has his bell. Uh, we have the laugh track. But when, when like, this is my whole point where I kind of think, like, the satire is brilliant, where you and I talk about... <laughs> you and I talk about Hold so on. many times... In- <laughs> Sorry, you... S- you saying the satire is brilliant and Dudley Do Right needed a laugh track. I just, I just, I swear I'm the only person on the planet who gets this movie. Um, <laughs> go on, play it right now. Um, <laughs> Hugh Wilson understands this. I want to get Hugh Wilson on this show to commend him for like two hours. And I get it, Hugh. So <laughs> let's look at the track record Hugh Wilson had coming into this. He makes Police Academy, big hit movie. Uh, he later made Guarding Tess, very critically acclaimed movie. Down Periscope, okay. The First Wives Club, massive hit. Blast from the Past, a classic. He does Dudley Do Right. He made one film since then, a straight-to-video Harry Connick Jr. baseball drama based on a novel by John Grisham called Mickey. Which kind of sounds racist. I don't know why that sounds <laughs> racist, but that movie sounds racist. Harry Connick Jr. as a baseball player is racist? I don't know. The term Mickey, isn't that what people call... Wouldn't that what American slang for, like, an Irish person is when they call him Mickey? It's, like, offensive now. Noah told me is, that, is, Colin. Is it? Uh, <laughs> yeah, of course Noah would. <laughs> Move on. Um, but uh, clearly this movie destroyed his career because, yes, you're right, like he didn't do anything. Else. <laughs> yeah. I want to get him on because I would have been like, he's probably sitting in a bunker somewhere crying his eyes out, oh, I had such a big career and then nobody got my movie. I get it, Hugh. It's okay. <laughs> I get it. All right? Well, he's dead now. Fuck, he died in 2018. <laughs> well, <laughs> I got it, Look, Hugh. Come on. Dudley Do-Right killed this man. It did. I sadly think it did. Um, the subtleness, it's not even subtle, the parody of this film. You and I have talked about so many times in movies where, like, the villain is kind of the good guy. Like, we started with yeah. our very first movie we ever did, The Sixth Day. Like, I would argue Arnold Schwarzenegger is the bad guy in that movie. He's a terrorist in that movie. Mm-hmm. This movie knows that fact it plays up to it it's kind of like well hang on a minute this guy's kind of good so we're gonna make the good guy bad so then they kind of play up to that and then you've got snidely complaining like oh i'm the good guy now this isn't good and then just even when brendan fraser is being bad he's still being good like when he's got this recyclable material of this uh this saw and like i love the way when like he punches it and then the guy on the log is like what type of guy are you and brendan fraser's like a dangerous one (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> How is that and not giving evil. his all? He's so good. And uh, it's just, I, I, Maybe I'm comparing his all in Georgia the Jungle and Blast from the Past to this too much because he nailed Blast from the Past so well. Encino Man, Airheads, like all these movies, he nails it. Like somehow he has a way of getting... He went from a caveman and then to Georgia the Jungle and you know the, the band leader in Airheads and... Uh, 
cooped up bomb shelter kid in a blast from the past and he makes all those characters so funny and so distinctive and so different and in this he's just, he's a mountie and it's okay it's uh... i completely disagree like i i would argue like what you talked about before airheads is is i didn't like about that i mean we talked about that last week i think that has a tonal problem if you if you make that if you make him stupider in airheads to live up to the name better movie if you make it a darker movie this guy's got nothing to lose better movie you, you couldn't make your mind up Brendan Fraser does brilliantly with what he can do in that movie but like he's only at the power of the script it's not his fault that his character doesn't know what it's doing because the movie doesn't know what it's doing this he knows what okay, he's doing but but you wouldn't say this is a tonal problem to have a movie that relies so heavily on just being the kids movie when they're coming off of George of the Jungle a movie that bridged children's audience with adult audience so well that it made like a hundred something million dollars and you don't think that this has the wrong tone no no i don't because i think like this movie clearly wants to be a kid's movie it doesn't want to have that tonal discrepancy and i think you can put george of the jungle down to the fact that's a disney movie and disney movies always did that when you watch any disney movie there's so many adult references in them that you only get now whereas this this is what a a universal movie like it's 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 clearly yeah but so kids yeah, but do you think this movie would have been better if it took the tone of George of the Jungle? I 100%. I think you could keep the same script, throw a couple of extra lines in there, change the tone a little bit, and you have a good movie here. It's just it, it, there is no humor for adults as far as I'm concerned. Well, yes, it could be, but like I enjoyed enough like this that I don't really want it to change. Like, and this is let's be honest, this is the problem this movie probably had is that it it was so heavily tied to George of the Jungle, right? Like the way it was mm-hmm. marketed, it was so heavily tied to it, and you're only two years, eighteen months removed from George of the Jungle. So when people are having this issue that clearly you have, that it doesn't have that same style as George of the Jungle, and it goes way too more cartoony and kitty and slapstick, I think people just didn't like that, and therefore it didn't go as well down as George of the Jungle did. So that to me is where the problem is. You release this movie before George of the Jungle, or ten years later, it's completely it's taken differently, or don't market it as much as George of the Jungle 2 in some aspects because it kind of, like, so many people do lump this together with it that you would argue this is more of George of the Jungle 2 than George of the Jungle 2 was George of the Jungle 2. So, yeah. and that that's the problem. Um, I can separate both of them. I think that they're completely different characters. Brendan Fraser plays them completely differently. I think the, the, the key difference is, is that, that George of the Jungle has heart and the character of George has heart. You feel for George in that situation you're not meant to mm-hmm. feel for dudley because this is meant to be a, a complete cartoon to me you're not meant to connect with these characters and feel and have heart for them you could change the script slightly and make them feel that way absolutely like i see the comparisons with blast from the past with his character the difference is is there's more of an innocence to his character in blast from the past and you're meant to feel for him whereas this it's just like if this was animated and they didn't change anything it probably is more well received because you get it because it's a cartoon this is a, a live action cartoon and you're not so meant to why make it them. live action? Why not? <laughs> you're making a movie live then. action. You're casting an actor whose primary audience is adults. Yeah, yeah, he had George of the Jungle, but in Sino Man and on, Brandon Fraser played to an adult audience by doing juvenile things. But he was an adult actor, not adult film, but adult actor. You cast <laughs> oh. Alfred Molina. You cast Sarah Jessica Parker. They were clearly not exclusively targeting children in this. They just forgot that when it came down to the execution of the movie. I think the reason why this is live action is because, A, it makes it more marketable on paper 
B, it wasn't a big enough cartoon that people probably would even remember. Like, if you did a, a full animated Dudley Do-Right animated movie in 1999, people are going to be like, well, what's that? Like, people are still doing that with a live-action one, but when you've got a Brendan Fraser to it and an Alfred Molina, like, it kind of, it, it's, it markets it a little bit more. Sarah Jessica Parker markets it more. Whereas if you just said they were voicing it, and this is still, remember, in, in animated movies in the 90s, it wasn't the norm to have full celebrity cast. That was still only coming into its own. It was mm-hmm. only really Shrek that kind of made animated movies into this, hey, let's get all the A-listers on board, right? Like you only dabbled in them yeah. a few there and there. So I, I think that like, yeah, like sure, that's a question, but I just don't think, you know, when you've come up with this, when you've gone to Universal and said, hey, we're going to do this because George of the Jungle worked, um, you know. So anyway, I love this movie. Shut up. Um <laughs> <laughs> The, the motorbike with the DD and then the chase is great, but I just don't know why I just find this scene so fucking funny with the DD and just just the way it's played up to it when he's like, DD, you know what this means. You know who this is, right? And then just you get all the... You talk about you wish the henchmen were dumber in this movie. You just get a five-minute sequence of everyone going like, Snoop Doggy Dog, Doris Day, Daphne Dumas, Dolores Del Rio, yeah. David Duchovny, but Daniel Day-Lewis. And you go, one guy who goes, Dan Rather. <laughs> yeah, okay, I like that. that. That was good. But that's the only dumb one because to me, this scene was... Alfred Molina is saying, oh, this could only be Dudley Do-Right, and they're bringing up valid points. No, DD could be anybody. It doesn't make them dumb enough. If they were all saying Dan Rather, that would be fine. But but I think it does make them dumb enough because, like, literally, they, like, slightly whiplash. He's like, well, who else would this be? Like, like, their number one enemy is Dudley Do-Right, right? Like, you know, they know that's their number one person. Um, but I also love when Snidely walks, like, I love the way he says Dudley Do-Right. No, it's Dudley Do-Right. And then when he walks off and he kind of looks back at them and mutters under his breath, he's like, oh, David Duchovny. And he just, like, walks off. <laughs> so funny. Also, David Duchovny month. Let's make it a thing. Yeah, I'm not that, not <gasps> a David Duchovny guy. Colin. I, I have never been into the X-Files. I'll just <gasps> say that. Colin. Come on. I would do both a David Duchovny and a Gillian Anderson month. Oh, they would be fun months. What would we do in David Duchovny month? It would be Beethoven, Evolution. <laughs> That's the question. <laughs> Beethoven, Evolution. Um, what was that movie you did with um, Tony Collette and the woman from Big Fat Greek Wedding where they were, was it Connie and Carla or something like that? Was that what it was called? Oh, was um, he in that? He was the, the main guy in that. Um, there's three David Duchovny movies. What's the fourth? Shit. Oh, one of the <laughs> X-Files movies. Sure. <laughs> uh, he was in Zoolander, apparently. Oh, of course, he was in Zoolander. He's the hand model. Yes, yes, Zoolander. Oh, How have we not done that? He's in the remake of the craft that's coming out. Oh, that Colin's I... lighting up. Ugh. See, David Duchovny. He's up there with Kevin Bacon and Keith Sutherland as an underrated musician. <laughs> so, uh, you know. Anyway, um, uh, the brilliant, so funny. I find it hilarious. Um. When we go to the the golf club, also also Eric Idle when he leaves, uh, here's a gift of a chainsaw. Don't ask, family tradition. <laughs> <laughs> Just random. Again, Eric Idle's good. Uh, the the bit where they're at like the country club and they you've got like the violins playing and Alfred Molina's painting and when Brendan Fraser shows up, that's like going start playing "Born to Be Wild" on the violin. They're not violins, they're cellos, whatever they are. Um, but you totally undersell the bit with the blue when he's kind of like, 
Um, what are you wearing black for? I'm the evil one. I wear black. And it's like, but Dudley, uh, but Snidely, that's not black. That's dark blue. Like the way he <laughs> says it and they hold it up. And it's like, oh, Homer, why am I not wearing? Oh, boss, uh, it's in the dry cleaner, sir. It's like, how would you think he's going to be dumber? The paint by numbers, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> the paint by numbers bit like that's just paint by numbers Nell. and then when he does the whole um the sculpture thing i love it when like Nell gets on the bike and then you've just got alfred molina standing there he's just like a statue and he's covered in green and homer's like oh blue looks good on your boss and then he's like oh green looks good on your boss and then the pigeon lands on his head and it just shits on his I'm slapping my <laughs> knee in humor. Oh, it's so good. Oh, God. So good that the one person you showed this movie to walked out by this point. I am so sorry, Hugh Wilson, you're dead. Because like, I wish I could just do an episode with you to show that I get it. I get this movie. The the mud bath is funny. Um, the bit that, okay, the one bit that doesn't make sense is the town hall meeting, right? Like, we've got to go after Dudley do right. And we're like, boo, no, we love Dudley. You didn't before when you were complaining about him before that he wasn't doing anything for your town. And now you love your town because it's got so much money. And they haven't haven't seen him do anything. Like, two people saw bad boy Dudley. Yeah, that that bit's okay. Um, Again, cartoon, forgive it. Um, I love (laughs) Brendan Fraser in the eagle costume. (laughs) <laughs> and then when they're going through all the, the tents up the end of it and they go, when I'm calling you. Is that the same? I don't know how familiar you are with Mars Attacks. You know how that song when all the aliens' heads blow up at the end of that movie? It's like a yodely Vaguely. song. It's been a while. I think that's the same song that they kills the aliens in Mars Attacks. I could be wrong. I would like someone to fact check that for me. Not that that's going to be a trivia thing. Yeah. <laughs> All of those people who've been dying to hear our recap on Dudley Do Right have just been waiting. I bet you I could stump them with some trivia. Do you like Do you like Mars Attacks? Oh, I love Mars Attacks. I just haven't seen it in a long time. That's it's Pierce Brosnan and Michael J. Fox. Sarah Jessica Parker hooks up with Michael uh, with Pierce Brosnan in that movie. So mm-hmm. you know that. I mean, you talk about all star cast. My God, that oh, yeah. like wow. And that's the one Tim Burton movie that I will gladly say I absolutely love. Natalie Portman's in that movie. Come on. Um, Jack Glenn Close, Natalie Portman, Pierce Brosnan. It's like porn to me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> seriously, that I'm gonna watch that tonight. I haven't seen that movie in ages. Um, the battle sequence at the end, though, is is just brilliant. Like you know, the whole yeah, the what are you? This is just a dinner theater. Like what are you talking about? We don't have any weapons. And that line I mentioned before, and it's like that's not fair. They've got rocks. All we have are these machine guns. Um, I love the bit though when he comes off the boat like I don't care about the music I'm not Canadian doesn't bother me um, but when he gets off the boat and he's kind of like the press here okay and he like walks past the press and then they're like um, you know like oh go down tear down the village actually no the press is still here fix it up a little bit yeah that does nothing but good publicity and he's kind of like yes <laughs> just keeps walking it's funny where is it where's the laugh track there it is the chief line about, it's like, what is it? oh, I need a rest. And Brent's like, oh, come on, chief, you're not that old. It's like, oh, I'm 62, kid. Don't let the facelift fool you. <laughs> the horse shows up and it's just like, <laughs> just like my dream. It's my horse is back. And then the standing room only is like, I think he's got to fly up his nose or something like that. Is that really <laughs> smart? Getting advice from a horse. 
I also love the fact when the Mounties show up and you cut to like the chief's face and he's literally like, <gasps> like so overacting and Sarah Jessica Parker's like, <gasps> like, it's just so funny. And yes, you missed the key plot line. The reason why the Mounties show up is because Eric Idle just happens to be married to the prime minister of Canada who shows <laughs> up and like, Again, 2020 lens. We live in a world where everyone in Canada was, you know, angry because Justin Trudeau at one point had blackface or a couple of points, really, let's be honest. What would the controversy... What would the controversy be if all of a sudden we found out that Justin Trudeau is like he was a single, right? And then all of a sudden on swearing in day, his wife had been homeless for the last 10 years. And then he just neglected her. Like, I kind of feel this is bad for the Prime Minister of Canada. Well, what's the prime minister's name in this movie? I thought they gave her name. Madam Trudeau. Uh, <laughs> no, I thought they called her Kim, which is actually appropriate because the only female prime minister of camera, a candidate ever was Kim Campbell. But and she's maybe I was just hearing too, something. Isn't she? isn't she Canada's BC's only prime minister, I believe, or one who was actually born here? Yeah, although she was never elected, she was chosen as a replacement. Which is why she's from still. BC, clearly. No, I did um, I did <laughs> yeah. some research, and apparently BC has only have had two prime ministers. She was the only one who was born here. The other one was like a, I think they were born in Ontario, but they represented Victoria. It was like in the 30s or something like that. I don't know. Um, huh. yeah, no, but I, that's weird. Well, I thought BC would have, you've had one, I think, haven't you? One or two? I don't think so. No, no, I don't think Manitoba's ever had one. Until Colin is Prime Minister. That's right. <laughs> um, but I also, I love that little bit, like when, when the tanks have blown up with Homer and that. And then I just love the, the, the cartoon nature of this movie, the way that Snyder goes, you know what, Homer? This is the part I like the least. The ending. It's all fun up until this point. But now, this point, I don't like this. And then when it's like, no, jail, the whole Snidely Whiplash, like clearly setting up for a sequel. And let's be honest, we're all waiting <laughs> for the sequel. Oh, boy. Do right. Brandon um, Fraser's still waiting. <laughs> that's why he is how he is. That's why he decided to quit Hollywood because he's like, until they get that yeah. Dudley Do Right sequel. Um, the horse comes back, the curtain at the end, and oh, this movie's brilliant. It's so stupid, it's brilliant. This is the room. Well, it is stupid. It's. <laughs> I, I would rank this higher than The Room in that much of enjoyability of how oh, stupid this no. movie is. Uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, <laughs> I almost want to end this month now, but I, I, the light is hey. at the end of the title. We, we, tell, we have something good coming. Brendan, um, you never end Brendan Fraser month. Colin <laughs> Hill. Can I ask you just one thing I noticed in editing last week's episode, just quickly before you get on to the closing bits. Say Brendan Fraser for me. Brendan Fraser. You say Brendan we, Fraser. We're pronouncing it. You say yeah, Fraser. Yeah, well, you're, you're Fraser. Fraser. Yeah. Is that an yeah. accent thing or is that just uh, you're an idiot thing? Or am I an idiot thing? I don't know. I don't know. He's Canadian. I'm Canadian. I assume he pronounces it like I do. Like the, um, the, the Kelsey Grammar show. Is that Fraser or Fraser? That's Fraser. Which has got an I in it. Whereas Fraser here has got no I in it. That's uh, Fraser. Uh, uh, so apparently you might be closer because apparently Brendan Fraser himself pronounced it Fraser, but that Fraser. could just be because he's yeah he's drunk trying to appeal. Well, he's to, not drunk. I don't know. Why uh, he's, drunk. <laughs> he's trying to appear drunk. Yes. <laughs> well, that's a mean thing to say. He's not drunk, Ben. He's never been drunk. He's Brendan Fraser. <laughs> he doesn't drink alcohol. Fraser. Fraser. Brendan Fraser. Well, we had a prime Fraser. minister called Malcolm Fraser, and he was spelt the same way as Brendan Fraser. Anyway, move Fraser. On. Okay. All right. So, 
do we even want to talk about the box offices? We talked about Airheads last week, which this may have made slightly more money than Airheads, but we're talking about five, six years later. Uh, and this movie does not budget. even... Yeah, a huge budget. This movie had like a $70 million yeah, budget. Huge uh, budget. It doesn't even open in the top 10. Now, with Airheads, we did you know, compare several things to it. The fact the movie was not promoted basically at all. Uh, Brandon Fraser was not, uh, I guess, a star necessarily. He hadn't had proven success yet. Um, This is coming off of Dudley Do-Right. This is literally right after The Mummy comes out, like back to back with The Mummy and Blast from the Past. It's a big year for him. Doesn't even open the top 10. Now you could say, okay, the movie had a lot of competition. True. The Sixth Sense was number one in its fourth weekend. Runaway Bride was still out five weekends and only now dropped out of the top three. Bowfinger, Mickey Blue Eyes, Thomas Crown Affair, Blair Witch Project. This was one of five movies that opened that weekend. Now, let's look at the movies that beat it. The classic films that beat family-friendly Dudley Do-Right. The 13th Warrior. Yeah. In Too Deep. (laughs) The Astronaut's Wife. The Muse. Uh, Those are the classics that beat Dudley do right at the box office. So, m- most of those movies, nobody will have ever heard of. None of them are really considered classics and they all beat Dudley do right. I don't even quite understand this. I mean, there are independent movies that weekend that opened with twice as much as Dudley do right, which was a major studio film. Doesn't make any sense to me. And I, I see this as a stupid movie, but that's something that affects it word of mouth. That doesn't make this movie open outside the top 10. Yeah. It's weird. And like, even like, because I, I, I used to see this when they would talk about, like, biggest box office bombs of all time. This would always be up there almost because it makes, like, a 10% basically of its budget. Um, but, mm-hmm. like, it's, it's weird. When you Google this movie, you talk about this being forgotten. Like, it's not even like there's a, you know, an article like, hey, why did this bomb or anything like that. It's just it's just there. Yeah. And it's just kind of like there's nothing really concrete here to, to see. Because, like, at least, like, well, the, you know, everyone bags on the prequels. Like, at least, you know, there's 5,800 articles now going, hey, it's enough time, let's defend the prequels <laughs> and things like that. Like, there's nothing on this movie. Like, there's... And I would mm-hmm. like to really get to the bottom of, of that because it is kind of odd. You'd even think with kind of the marketing off the back of, of George of the Jungle, whether or not it worked or not, and I don't think it did, clearly. But, like, surely there would be a bit of, you know, something off that. But maybe it was just... Unlike 94 for Jim Carrey, which just went gangbusters for him, maybe people were sick of Brendan Fraser or something because you have The Mummy, huge hit. Three in a row. Blast from the Past, decent hit, not groundbreakingly huge, but I think a lot of people appreciate that movie now. That's really got some high ratings nowadays. But this movie then comes about, and it's just, it's just invisible. It's just, it's just there. Yeah. So, yeah, it's strange. Well, and looking at its final placing, uh, this was the 129th highest grossing film of 1999. What did it beat? Uh, it was, it beat out Trippin, yeah, Alien Adventure, oh. uh, Teaching Mrs. Tingle, and actually three movies here that it beat out that uh, I'm actually big defenders of and would love to cover one day. Mystery Alaska with Russell oh, yeah. Crowe, Play It to the Bone with Woody Harrelson and uh, Antonio Banderas, and Pushing Tin. With John Cusack and Billy Bob Thornton, I love all three of those. Did that movies. not make much money? I thought uh, that was a success. That movie. Huh. Yeah, and and that's I think those movies they just stand the test of time a little bit better. Uh, but Dudley Do Right was beaten out by Broke Down Palace, which actually isn't a bad movie. Bats and Three to Tango with Matthew Perry. Oh, what a movie that was! <laughs> um, yeah, we talked about the Friends Curse, but uh, yeah, movie made next to no money uh, critically. Uh, also not good. It's got like I think nineteen percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Let's just go 16. through uh, one. Po- 
16 percent. wow okay uh yeah 16 there you go so one positive semi-positive review roger ebert who as we're going through more uh brendan fraser movies fraser movies uh we're realizing roger ebert's maybe got a bit of a crush on brendan fraser I'm thinking. so he should uh, <laughs> of course he gave it two out of four stars and said, Dudley Do-Right is a genial live action version of the old cartoon with a lot of broad slapstick humor that kids like and adults wince at. I did a little wincing the ninth or 10th time Dudley stepped on a loose plank and it slammed him in the head, but I enjoyed the film more than I expected to. It's harmless, simple-minded, and has a couple of sequences better than Dudley really deserves. Kind of backhanded compliment, but still complimentary. Yeah, I'll, I'll take that, yeah. And the rest eh, of the shit I'll reviews, aren't they? <laughs> yeah almost every single one um wait till we get to, i got really i'm kind of excited about doing rocky and bullwinkle next week to just complete this trilogy here of the rocky and bullwinkle films uh let's look at a uh want to do the one star or we'll look for a 10 star review or do you want to plot keywords uh yeah in the, i just i just found out just on a site was kind of on the same level there as the reviews this got nominated for a stinkers bad movie award for worst resurrection of a tv show 99 <laughs> didn't win I've just found it's a very interesting year this year because um, other ones that we didn't mention in terms of uh, car- cartoons turned into TV. I mean, Inspector Gadget was obviously, we, we, I mentioned it, but I, you know, that didn't yeah. click before. Oh, yeah. Uh, same year as well. So that category nominated that year, you had the Mod Squad, My Favourite Martian. Do you remember that? Wasn't Christopher Lloyd the Martian in that movie? Mm, yeah. Um, Inspector Gadget, Dudley Do-Right. The winner was Wild Wild West, a movie that you and I do <laughs> Love, love, but um, I mean, looking at some of these movies this year, this this maybe be the year for disappointments. A lot of people have a lot of movies on this year as big bombs in terms of where their ex- expectations. The clear one being the Phantom mm-hmm. Menace. Um, their main award is biggest disappointment. So three movies are nominated that year: Star Wars Episode One, Phantom Menace, Pokemon, the first movie, Mewtwo Strikes Back, good movie. I remember seeing that as a kid at the cinemas. And the winner, The Blair Witch Project. Was that a disappointment? I thought that was considered a, a huge hit. <laughs> Um, a massive hit, yeah. Other disappointments this year, just random categories that they're nominated this year. Wild Wild West got a lot of nominations. Baby Geniuses, uh, because why mm. not? Uh, Fight Club, Eyes Wide Shut, Big Daddy, often regarded as Adam Sandler's best movie among many of them. Mm-hmm. Um, there was an animated King and I. Robin Williams won Worst Actor that year for Bicentennial Man. Great movie. Uh, and Jacob the Liar. <laughs> Also nominated that year, Arnold Schwarzenegger for End of Days, Cuba Gooding Jr. for Chill Factor and Instinct, Kevin Costner for Love of the Game and Message in a Bottle, and Kevin Klein for Wild Wild West. Um, oh, yeah, he's lots. the best thing in that movie. Come on. There are so many things in this category here. But Dudley Durant, only not, that's a positive for Dudley Durant, only nominated for one and didn't get nominated for a Razzie. So there you go. Uh, plot keywords here. We know we have to go for Royal Canadian Mounted Police Month. Uh, we could talk about The Untouchables, Changeling, Gremlins 2, The New Batch, and The Insider. I do not remember RCMP in any of those except for The Untouchables. Blades of Glory, uh, A lot five? of uh, reference to Wayne Gretzky. Come on, that's got to be a month. Yeah. Uh, with The King of Staten Island, <laughs> Swingers, The Cutting Edge, and Happy Anniversary. Okay. And he's, well, where's the Mighty Ducks? Wayne Gretzky's in the second one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Tied to Railroad Tracks Month. Yep. We've been screaming for that. We could talk about The Kingsman, The Secret Service, The Bra, <laughs> Dudley Do-Right, and The Perils of Pauline. What about- Everyone want to talk about The Bra or The Perils of Pauline? I want to talk Flatulence Month featuring I knew you'd South go Park, <laughs> Casper, great movie, 
House of a Thousand Corpses and The Lighthouse. There's a Willem Dafoe movie we could do. So there you go. And finally, reference to David Duchovny month. Yes. <laughs> there is more than one. There is Dudley Do-Right. Uh, Take a knee is for douchebags. <laughs> yep. <laughs> a 2017 short film, Take a Knee, hashtag Take a Knee is for douchebags. Uh, Modern Family episode titled Blast from the Past. Interesting. And Brooklyn Nine-Nine episode, Dillman. Uh, in this case, we got to go for a 10-star review. We got to see if there's anybody else out there like Ben, uh, who absolutely loves Dudley Do, right? Um, oh, 83 reviews, period, is Five. all that there is for this movie. Brendan is an absolute legend. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you read my review. Uh, just plain fun. Let's go with this one. I have to admit that when this movie first came out, and I groaned, oh no, not another TV show going movie, but I was pleasantly surprised at the way this turned out. The cartoons were cute enough. The movie is just plain fun, quite enjoyable. Snidely's band of evildoers particularly amusing, as were the Kumquat tribe. Great ton-in-cheek humor sprinkled throughout. A movie you can safely sit back with the popcorn and enjoy with your kids and grandkids. So obviously a very old person wrote this review. Well, this one, I loved it by Raker. Actually written on 9th of September, 1999. I didn't realize IMDb uh, was that old. Um, to the naysayers, critics and otherwise, this might not be for you, but I smiled all the way through it. <laughs> I also like the actors, Brendan Fraser, who again gets his role just right. Alfred Molina, great as a bad guy. Sergis Kapaka, good, but not quite enough to do in this one. Eric Idle, just right as usual. The Indians, exclamation mark, exclamation mark, exclamation mark and horse to all who brought this together good job (laughs) good job uh look at the these are clearly people with the same intellectual level as ben where they get their education for animation uh (laughs) good job (laughs) well i i I, i've Uh, finally gone to the one star reviews on i'm intrigued here uh because uh you have the second review written on the 6th of september 2001 what happened five days later uh, collateral damage was released. Um, the truth about <laughs> Dudley Do-Right. Here we go, Colin. The truth. I actually have not even read this, so I don't know what this is. What can you expect from a 77-minute movie with an IMDb user rating below 4? I expected nothing, but I got disappointed. You know, from time to time, I need to watch a bad movie to appreciate the good ones. However, this was way too much. Dudley, or if you prefer Dully, tries to be funny, but he's just a <laughs> moron, nothing else. Whip, however, is better, mainly because he's around world champion suckers. Even Nell, with a good education and many degrees, as she said, is stupid as Dudley, not funny at all. And worst of all, nearly a whore switching between <laughs> Dudley and Whip. <laughs> well, this went dark. Um, who seems to be the most intelligent character is Horse. The Horse, duh. Because most of the time, it's gone. Horse knew that to be in another movie, it should reduce its exposure on this one. The story is a standard. The good guy beats the bad guy and gets the girl. You can't even consider that a spoiler. It's just a fact. Knowing what the movie, it's based on. If you think this movie can entertain your child, think again. You would be better with any TV cartoon than this one. Believe me, if I have to rate this one, I'll give it 2 out of 10. Yes, above 2 is overrated. You gave it 1. <laughs> You're talking about people being idiots in this movie. You gave it one star. Mac and I. What Maybe the they revised it later on. Uh, I know what I'm doing. I'm been in this movie. I'm sorry. There, there are some genuinely funny moments in this. There's Eric Idle's one sequence, but 
I'm binning this. I know you're not going to. I know you're probably going to buy this, but oh, we're going to be polar it. opposites. Absolutely. But I just yeah. read, an- I read another review here on the one star one. Glad I'm not Canadian. <laughs> <laughs> if the Canadians that are represented in the film as a bunch of British wannabes whose accents sound as slow as a New York Bronx resident, then I will continue to always regard Canadians as dumber than the average American bear. <laughs> um, yes, I'm buying this movie, completely buying it. Oh. Um, I'm going to put this at number two right now on uh, Brendan Fraser. Oh, mark. my what? Uh, hands down, number two. Um, and I also want to... I'm, I'm, I'll get your rating first, sorry, because I found something interesting here. I want to correct myself from the beginning. I'm guessing you're putting this at the bottom? Yes, this is the bottom for me. It is very bottom. <laughs> when was the last time we bought and binned a movie together? I feel it's been a while. Titanic? <laughs> oh, I think we've Maybe? done one since then. Um, just scrolling through our list here. Uh, Bohemian Rhapsody. That's probably that's more recent than Titanic. Oh yeah. Um, duh, 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 Day of the Dead. I bought that. You bin that. Huh. I don't even remember doing mm. those movies. That's a long time ago. Um, yeah. There's not many. It's few and far between. Ah, Lara Croft Tomb Raider. I bought it. You binned it. Oh yeah. Uh, very similar opinions. I feel on this movie to that one. <laughs> um, one very for one against it. Uh, so, I said at the beginning of this episode that I don't think anyone has ever podcast about this movie. Colin Hilding, I stand corrected on this one. I want to send oh. out a special shout-out to our friends over on the podcast. Podcast like it's 1999. Kind of sounds <laughs> like it's a podcast that I would be into because I'm, I'm, I'm a big defender of the year 1999. I would say it's the best year ever for music uh, and some very underrated, appreciated movies in that year. But So, they're going on in this episode... So you've got Erin La Rosa, Netflix social media, came back to the podcast for her second Brendan Fraser Hugh Wilson film. She thought she was just there to talk Fraser, but she could never have anticipated what awaited her. When people talk about the best twist of 1999, they'll mention The Sixth Sense or The Matrix. Perhaps the more artsy of us will ride Extensions, whatever that is. Oh, Existence. That's a Canadian movie. Okay, there you go. And maybe those who don't understand twists will stand for, I don't know, The Bone Collector. That's a bad movie. But the biggest twist of all is that this movie, about a simple Canadian Mountie and his flatulent horse named Horse based on a Little Love cartoon is not only good, it's great. Listen to this episode to find out if this write-up was itself a twist as well and it's as really bad as you think. Now I'm telling you now party like it's 19, podcast like it's 1999, <laughs> you have got great, I, I want to listen to this episode based on your write-up because I want to find out if you agree with me the Dudley Do-Right is great. And I tell you what, this episode is only a year and a half old. Maybe we need to reach out to podcasts like it's 1999 to get this Erin LaRosa on to help Yeah, let's it. do it. She probably let's, is let's, with you, uh, Colin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm very curious now. There is somebody who's podcasted about uh, Dudley Do-Right. That's where the curiosity ends. Uh, so, yeah, I'm bidding this movie. You're buying it. Absolutely. We're going to be a little bit closer a little bit closer next week because we're moving on to our final one, which is Bedazzled, which, uh, you know, it's funny. I don't think that we had any firm list for what we were covering for any of the movies. I know you always said you wanted to do Dudley Do-Right. Uh, we talked about doing Brendan Fraser Month for a long time. Freezer Month. Brendan Fraser Month. <laughs> oh, making him uh, self-conscious. Oh. <laughs> but uh, just going back and realizing how long this has been in the works, uh, when you were last year in Winnipeg, which was, I think, two years ago, uh, you 
gave me your you know external USB drive and loaded a bunch of movies on there. One of them was Bedazzled, which I have seen before, but you had a copy of it. And the reason I got it is because we had plans over two years ago to cover Brendan Fraser month <laughs> and talk about Bedazzled. So of all the movies we're doing here, I feel like Dudley Do-Right, you know, you wanted to do it. George of the Jungle and Airheads, we just sort of decided this is one of those movies that this whole month was based around. We both wanted to talk Bedazzled for a long time. Uh, I probably haven't seen this movie in a very long time. I, I remember seeing it when it came out. I remember enjoying it, seen it a couple times since then. Uh, probably don't remember much about it, but uh, I remember I did like it when I did see it. And I'm guessing this is another one that you throw on twice a week, like Dudley do right? <laughs> Um, no, but this is one of those ones that whenever I do see it, I forget how much I love the movie and I wish I watched it more. I probably watched this, oh, probably two years ago. I think I, I remember watching this in Queensland with Mallory. So that was just before we came to Winnipeg at some point. So, um, this was a movie I used to watch a lot with my friend. Um, it's a remake, of course. I believe there was a 60s version of this mm-hmm. as well. But I, I'm a big fan of movies where it's kind of like a role reversal alternate. So, so like um, Freaky Friday, for example, I like the kind of body snatching type of movie, you know, kind of putting yeah. So I like this style of movie where you've kind of got multiple wishes and you've got different realities. And this is just one of those movies, like I think we talked a lot about this in Blast from the past where it's like it's such a good movie that like why doesn't it get more love? And I feel mm-hmm. Blast from the past kind of is. And I just feel Bedazzle just is like a Dudley Durant. It gets forgotten about. But this... This movie's yeah. great. Like, Brendan Fraser, you if you tell me that you think he's not giving his all in this movie, I'm going to fly out there and slap you. Oh, he is. Um, yeah. Liz Hurley. I mean, gosh, she's amazing. Um, is she uh, ever? <laughs> Orlando Jones is in this movie, um, who mm-hmm. we, you know, talked up a lot in The Replacements. I mean, this, this is just so entertaining, this movie. And I just... I don't understand why this doesn't get more love. And it's, it's kind of got a message to it as well. Like, it's sort of, yeah. you know, it's... it's I, I this this is a challenger for best movie of the month. I'm telling you now, this is going to challenge George of the Jungle because this is another movie that very nearly made my top 50. Um, I, I love this movie to death and I'm really looking forward to covering it. Matt's going to end it, sadly, although oh, we have like enough material. Well, we could do another month. We don't really have anything for November, do we? <laughs> Who knows? Know. Shall, shall we do uh, Jim but... Carrey month? Shall we just commit to it right now? <laughs> <laughs> I'm down. <laughs> Oh, did he do any Christmas movies? Can we just combine them? Uh, he did uh, the the animated Christmas Carol, right? Uh, well, no, he did the Grinch. And the yeah, Grinch. and the Christmas uh, Carol. So yeah. the, the thing is with the Grinch, like I'm going to be unpopular when I say this, like that's not one of my favourite Jim Carrey movies. That's a middle of the no, road I don't, That's Carrey. not an unpopular opinion. Yeah, I just I don't <laughs> get the love for that movie. It's, it's like, it's like um, yeah. Elf. Elf is fine. Like, don't get me wrong, Elf is fine, but I just don't get the adoration that Elf gets every year. It's like National Lampoon's yeah. Christmas Vacation. Overrated. Sorry. No, okay, now <laughs> you've lost me. <laughs> Other National Lampoon movies are better. Uh, not all of them. I say uh, we do Jim Carrey know. month, and then on the fifth week and the first one of Christmas month, we make it five weeks of Jim Carrey movies in a row. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Come on, let's, Colin. Let's... Go with me here. Oh. <laughs> We'll have to we'll have to brainstorm some ideas for the month um, off air too. Okay, uh, but uh, we do have uh, last of our Halloween month, the craft. Oh, how People was that? Have you to if you it want. <laughs> no, we're, we're actually you're, you will you can hear it now. It's out before this episode, but uh, we're recording it tomorrow morning, and I can already tell you that uh, it will make me vomit. Like I, <laughs> I despise this movie so much, absolutely hate it. 
Uh, I am intending to take no notes. I'm intending to watch the movie on high speed too. <laughs> you know, you, you get like a video player on your phone. Yep. I'm going to watch it at twice the speed so I can get it done in an hour. That's how much I hate this movie. Well, well, there's another option for another month. Just throwing it out there. We could do four movies that we universally hate that we know. Yeah. Like, uh, like, I mean, th- th- there's a thing like looking at the Byron's bin list. Like we do mm-hmm. a bad movie month, right? But we go into that for the most part often defending some or just, okay, this is shit, right? Yeah. The point of that month is not the same as a, let's choose four movies that we personally fucking hate. <laughs> so we get two each and we can't like redo Dirty Dancing or the Emoji movie, right? We legitimately yeah. have to come up. Like I would say like Independence Day 2 straight away. Like I fucking hate that movie. I can't make it through mm. it. I don't know. There's another That's idea. That's not a bad idea. Maybe, I mean, in a week we will have some announcement to make. So if you don't yeah. like bedazzled, you can tune in just to hear what we're going to be doing for the following month. <laughs> we will break that uh, news next week. Exactly. Uh, and maybe we're just going to look at the list of podcasts like it's 1999 and steal some more stuff from them because yeah. it's gone pretty well so far. We'll do that random one uh, where we literally just type in random movie in Google and it shows us a movie. Yeah. Cool. We will random do. movie generator month. That Spanish movie about dogs. Reference to David Duchovny month. Yeah, like, hey, we'll, we'll come up with that, something. We, <laughs> keep, we do that plot lot keyword thing for the pure thing that one day we will do a month, but we, I don't think we've yeah. ever got the most obscure one yet, have we? No, well, I'm sure that's going to come in 2021. Yeah, uh, but uh, there's still also hope that maybe Wonder Woman's going to come out, and you might get a review by the end of the month. But we're we're going to do Borat, right? We I think we both you've seen it. I'm going to watch it. Yeah, no, I think I mean, yeah, we we, where we can do new ones, we will do them clearly. But uh, no, I'm I'm looking mm-hmm. forward to chatting to you about uh, about Borat. I uh, went out of my way to watch the first one uh, before I watched it because I hadn't watched the first one in many many years. Uh, I'm a I'm a Sasha Baron Cohen fan. So, uh, yeah, I would have always seen this, whether it was at the cinemas or not. So, uh, yeah, a lot to talk about in that one, let's just say. Mm -hmm. And uh, Trial of Chicago 7, I don't know if you're going to get around to that one, but I saw it. More Sasha Baron Cohen, absolutely loved it. I I might. I don't know. I I feel like that's one we're going to be watching for Oscar month next year anyway. So I'll eventually see it. Yeah, probably. I mean, he's (laughs) one of the favorites to get nominated, right? So... Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, I wouldn't mind. So I'll, I'll, I'll check with my people to see how my calendar's looking. All right, so tune in. <laughs> find out what Ben can fit into his busy schedule. <laughs> More to come. Uh, my name is Colin. Uh, oh, Canada, I stand on guard for thee. Uh, my name is Ben, and so long, Mountie boy. Thanks for downloading this episode of the Oz Network. Make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing to the podcast via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or by copying our RSS feed into your preferred podcast provider. And while you're there, please drop us a rating and leave us some feedback. You can also be sure to stay up to date with all the latest episodes and happenings from the show, as well as finding out how you can get involved in upcoming episodes by following our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, as well as getting everything you need under one roof at theoznetwork.net. Thanks again for listening, and we'll speak to you next time. 